demons come from every side. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Kathy. I'm Melissa. And I'm Jimmy. And on this episode, we are going to be having a discussion about all of the wonderful music of this show and how Disney has yet to give us a soundtrack. Damn it. It's about time. I'm excited for this episode. It's like um, Disney Channel kind of moved into their their leads being like singers in a way, like with Lizzie and then That's a Raven and some other shows. And it's like, I feel like so weird. Yeah, I feel like so weird maybe started it. But since it wasn't like their show that they moved forward with, it's like, okay, well, these songs are never going to be heard again. Only now, at least you can through Disney Plus watching the episodes. Yeah. And at least it's in really good quality, so we don't have any issues with the audio. So now we're going to take a little walk down memory lane and go through all of the songs from the show. And we're going to go through order of which the songs appeared through. So it's going to be like a quick little walk through through the series. So this is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So the first song is In the Darkness. this one in the very first episode of So Weird Family Reunion because this is the song that ended up being the show's theme song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it is the perfect theme song because of the whole double meeting and all that. I personally love it. Yeah, so John Cooksey was talking about the meaning of it and um, he says that primarily it's about Molly's past and exercising them by working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so referring to that Molly was a recovering alcoholic, especially the fifth step. But the information would have been revealed more in the episode that got rejected by Disney Chrysalis. Beyond that, it was a premonition of what Fee would have gone through, which is going to hell to bring Rick back from the afterlife in season three, the original season three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something you never would have guessed listening to the song as a kid. But even looking through the lyrics now, lines like, don't want to go back to yesterday, but I don't know how long I can run away. Or a creature in the darkness lies wise at that he has my eyes. It feels a lot more obvious now as an adult that this is a song about Molly's struggle with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And also yeah. the lyric the lyric of um, this girl's walked on fire and ice and I saw somebody I don't remember where I saw the comment but somebody I guess had reasoned that that meant uh, you know fire and ice like hard liquor over the rocks you know this girl's walked on fire and ice so hard liquor over the rocks it's fire and ice I did not think about that I don't remember where I read it, but I put those connections together. Somebody said it, a fan or something, or maybe it was John. I don't remember who said that, but I read that somewhere or heard it. But I made that connection somewhere. Huh. Yeah, I think John also says, um, In the Darkness continues a habit of his, which is using light and dark imagery, not simply paralleling dark and evil. Darkness and pain are the things we have to face up to where we're going, and Molly certainly had her share. But yeah, I do love that line. This girl's walk through fire and ice, but I come out on the other side of paradise. I think that's great for Molly and for Fee. Yeah. I love for how sure. you bring up John Cooksey's writing. 
Like, he's one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite writers in the series. Love him. Agreed. It's also really interesting that this song has a few different versions. So we're all familiar with the theme song song version. And they actually change it up in season two where they add this cute little guitar part. But if you listen to the full version, the full version is a lot slower and toned down and more haunting in a way. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And season yeah. three version is different as well, right? Kind of more uppity, kind of more upbeat. A like bit. season three is. <laughs> and I think this was the song that they gave Anne-Marie Fontaine to, I think, like come up with or do the music for. And she didn't, in the interview, she said that she didn't know it was going to be the theme song until she saw it on TV. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was cool. I was going to say, the song's really special to me because, you know, I've been a fan of this show since literally day one, um, since, like, the beginning. So I went and saw Anne-Marie in Sunnyvale, California when I was 15. I'm turning 32 this year. And she actually sang this song to me at a private live home show at somebody's home in Sunnyvale, California. And she told everyone, like, hey, this is Jimmy. He came here to see me because I wrote all the music to this show he likes. And this is the theme song. And she sang In the Darkness to me. So that is, like, a memory that I'll... I Like, that song means so much to me and my life and the addiction that's happened in my life. Anyway, I love it so much. And um, it's really super special. that's so cool, Jimmy. Yeah, that's amazing. I... And then the fact that I got to be somebody who was there to witness her perform the show live for everyone as well. Like that to me, it's just so special. Like to me, the coincidences of this show and the creators and the people who worked on it versus like the fans as well. And then the connections of us as fans and that we could have them in our lives with social media. Like I'm just so mind blown by the connections of the show and that all of us are connected and everything is connected. And I have a little bit more things to bring up as we talk, but so special, this first song in the darkness, the beginning of it all. And also as the beginning of it all, what's cool about this song is that it actually had a music video that played on Disney Channel. Yes. And the music video oh included scenes that didn't show up in the original series. Yes. So there's this cute little scene of Jack and Clue playing guitar and goofing off and Molly coming in to tell him to all go to bed because she's going to a late night gig and everybody says goodnight and then molly steps off the bus and the music starts like uh it's so cool looking because it feels like an adult themed music video and i don't mean that in yes. like a derby adult way i feel yeah. like in the alternative adult sense in the music yeah, yeah. It's, it's like dark and- yes yeah she's surrounded by candles it's so cool looking yeah, I really love that music video, and I wonder if and if that scene was actually like an outtake of some episode or mm. what. I feel like it was made specifically for the music video. Yeah, I think so. Too. Yeah, yeah. For those that haven't seen it, it's actually on our YouTube page now. Somebody found it online or found it in an old archive of somewhere, VHS or something, uploaded it, and it's in good quality not the best quality but it's in good quality and it's it's it was really cool to see again it's worth the watch and thanks to that person who who gave it to the fans we're so appreciative thank you what what are you guys thinking about rank not ranking but like rating each song like you know the stars like one star five stars yeah i thought that would be fun Mm. yeah i'd rate it five out of five yeah i would rate this one five stars as well i'm gonna go there too it's across the board for me. 
I would go 4.5 out of 5 just because of the finagling that they had to do with the song itself musically and how they had to take such a slow song and then they had to speed it up. And I think I really like the sped up version better, but we don't have that version as like a full, full version. But I still love it, though. Yeah, it seems more poppy. You know, like the intro version, it seems more poppy yeah. than like the rock version we got. Yeah, yeah. lower one in um, in Encore. Which version mm-hmm. did you guys like better, the sped up version or the music video version? Ooh, because there's, I feel like there's such a difference between the seasons and like the diff. because I feel like her sound does change from like season one to season two to season three. Definitely. But um, the difference of the molding of that song, like I love her raw kind of demo like lyrics on the earlier versions. And I love that she actually says hell in the song. Like yeah. she's like, hell, yeah. Like what other Disney song does somebody say? Hell, yeah. And it's like the intro <laughs> in the song on Disney Channel, you know, like it's so cool. If we're talking all the versions, honestly, the Breakaroo version is my favorite. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. Like, I had it yeah. on repeat yesterday for, like, 20 minutes straight, and I, yeah, it's, it, I laughed my ass off the entire time. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one. I, like, randomly sing the lyrics from time to time, like, like, I'll just be like washing dishes and then be like, jungle, bungle, bangle, bang. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny side to think of. <laughs> right? I get to make up my own rhymes. Anyway, I love that song. Alright, so the next song we have is More Like a River. Can I be more like a river? Less like a wall? Not try to hold feelings at all Cause when I miss you When I'm dying to kiss you I gotta let that flow More like a river Which we hear for the first time in Season 1, Episode 3, Memory. But there are a couple versions of it. The first one we hear is the guitar version in this episode, and then later on in the series we hear a piano version as well. And there's also a demo version, who is sung, which is sung by somebody other than Mackenzie Phillips. So that's pretty interesting if you ever want to check that out. Personally, I I love the song. It's heartbreaking and beautiful, and it hits. I feel like it hits different when you've loved and lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's uh, probably my favorite song of the series and for me i like really? the piano version the best yeah it's such Ever. a pretty song and it's raw and emotional and it's something that i can like listen to in the car and belt it out listening to it mm-hmm. and it just gives me all the feels yeah, yeah. so cooksy was saying i think like it's his favorite t- song too uh, he was saying that it came from a thought he had in the middle of the night and started with the chorus, a general emotional statement, and then added in the verses, which were specific to her backstory. And um, th- he was saying that it was really exciting for everyone on the show when they finally showed the house in the mountains in Medium, um, since, you know, that's a lyric in the song and that it's everyone's favorite song of the show that he knows of. Sounds like a love song, but of course it's Molly singing to Rick and missing him, but knowing he'd want her to move on. Yeah. Yes. So pretty. The way it helps build the character of that house on the mountain. And how we get to see into Molly's grieving process and how she needs Rick's advice 
to finish a stream and help her let go and move on with her life. Yeah, it makes me sad. Like, at least when I listen to it, it sounds like she's writing it in a place where she doesn't really want to move on. But yeah. no, but she knows that she has to. Um, just like the last song, the last lines, like, and a new day, another new day without you. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's one of those songs, like, it's it's one of her songs, which... I think is so special about this music from this show is that some of her songs are so timeless that you could literally show them to anyone and anyone is going to be able to identify with it. And I think Rebecca's like that. And this is definitely one of those songs, more like a river where you could show it to anyone and they will say, damn, that is a beautiful song, you know, and I have showed this to a lot of people and it's like, hands down, like that's a really pretty song, like regardless, you know, and I love the break of it at the end, how it goes into um, and a new day and a new day because it was so different from the rest of the flow of the song. And it's almost Mm -hmm. kind of it kind of leaves you on that on that cliffhanger of like hope in a way, because she's like because there are kids and dogs and bills and sunlight. You know, yeah. it's just, mm-hmm. and it leaves you on that note um, on a new, and a new day and a new day and another new day. But how unique of a song to do that, to just switch gears like that at, and then leave you on that cliffhanger because it almost sounds like it's not the end of the song. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really pretty. Yeah, I love it. Makes me cry every time. <laughs> do any of you guys have a favorite version of it or what would you rate it? Uh, my favorite version is definitely the piano version, and I would rate it 5 out of 5. Easy. <laughs> yeah, I like the piano one as well. Also, uh, I always find it a little, like, funny when, um, in the episode with Tad Raxel, he, like, asks her to sing him a song, and that, that's where we hear the piano version, but she picks this song, which is about, like, Rick and not wanting to you know, not really wanting to let go. And I just find it funny because it's like, I don't know, not really a good song, I guess, for a new love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would rate it four stars out of five. Any particular oh. reason? Not five out of five. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I just wanted to know, like, your reasoning. I like it a lot, but it just doesn't hit, like, my favorites. Like, there's a few others that I put five stars above more like a river. So that's the only reason why I knocked it down. Okay, fair enough. I think this song is so beautiful. Um, And I just got a thought, and this is maybe a little off subject, but it reminds me of the website episode where Fee gets that email um, that says Faith. And remember how, like, Rick is always there protecting the characters. And, you know, Tad Raxel wasn't right for Molly. And so in that moment of her dating him, when it could have been a romantic moment, it was almost like Rick putting his arms around Molly, like in that moment, like she's mine. Because like you said, that song wasn't right for that moment. And like, why did she do that? It was like Rick, you know, like she did it because she did love Rick. And that was Rick as well saying like, you know, we're not done here, you know, because he wasn't done with the family. He still had a lot to teach them, a lot to direct them. You know, he's directing them at that time um, of that episode. Um mm or directing fee you know so anyway those are my thoughts on that but i do really appreciate the demo version i thought that demo singer did a beautiful job i've never heard such like uh, etherealness uh, Mm -hmm. uh, in that way with her 
her vocal ability. And we don't know who she is. So if anybody does know who recorded the demos, if you ever worked on the show, or if, if she's listening, we would love to know who you are. Please let us know. We'd love to hear more of your music. I would. Um, yeah, those are my thoughts. And I give it definitely a five out of five. I'm probably going to have a lot of five out of fives. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. It's definitely a five out of five for me. It's aged so well. It's one of the songs that I will listen to in my car, like just for the fun of it. I think even my sister has told me like that she's went back and listened to this song. Yeah. And she doesn't yeah. she doesn't even really like the show. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's that good. Next is the little tune that Molly sang called Lorena. The years move slowly by Lorena. The frost is on the grass again And what we might have been, Lorena This one is actually something I pulled up a lot on. Uh, it's actually a real song that originates from the Civil War times. It's an antebellum song with northern origins. From Wikipedia, it says the lyrics were written in 1856 by Reverend Henry uh, Webster uh, after a broken engagement. And he wrote uh, a long poem about his fiancée but changed her first name Bertha to Lorena. Possibly an adaptation of Lenore from Edgar Allan Poe's poem, The Raven. And it was republished in Chicago in 1857. And it was a favorite of the soldiers during the Civil War. Wow. Yeah, and I posted the full lyrics to it on the forum. In the show sacrifice season one episode four we only hear like a brief clip of it for molly to explain the tune to jack and fee as they're on this camping site yeah and clue (laughs) (laughs) yeah i really like this i like how molly sings it i like the little tune i don't know if we're i don't know if we're doing ratings for each of the little tiny things but i rated everything (laughs) i didn't rate this one just because i feel like it's not fair for me to rate it just because it's a so short not truly a molly phillips song since it's an mm-hmm. existing song and it was just never one of my favorites just because it sounds too southerny for my tastes oh yeah personally i think i'd give it a three out of five i mean i don't love it but i don't hate it yeah i did this i did the same three out of five because i really like how molly sings it yeah what about you same Jimmy? i like how she gets that i like how she gets that like twang in her voice when she does it the years move slowly by <laughs> That's what she you know, like, yeah that, that and i actually, like it it actually really does have that twang to it if you listen to the actual version of it well the years creep slowly by Lorena. snow is on the grass again yeah which would explain because i remember i think because i've gone back and listened to the podcast episodes um from the first couple seasons and i think you guys did talk about it being an actual song and um you know that that would be why 
Molly would know the song at that point in time because I remember you guys saying in the podcast I think like why would she just know this random song and I think one of you guys did point out that well it was an actual song at that time and you know Mm -hmm. she's a musician so she might have heard it you know yeah but I would give it I guess like a two out of five just because it's more of a limerick it was more of an educational moment it wasn't like you said in Molly Phillips song it wasn't her performing it was her it was an educational moment you know like homeschool yeah. 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 Now, the next little bit we got was a fun one the Star Dot Star Jingle in season one, episode six, Simplicity. throughout the whole episode <laughs> iconic. Yeah. it's iconic at this point i love dancing I to it i think it's one of the most fun moments in season one where everybody makes fun of molly with the song mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and i really love the um gremlin version that we get at the end <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. oh my god <laughs> And I do kind of wish we would have gotten like a star dot star commercial or something with or with the original jingle. Oh my uh, god, that would have been rad. I know, right? To see like old school Molly like rocking out to like near Impa, <laughs> you know, like oh my god, like I can no. see it too. Can you too. imagine like the old school computers that yeah. must be featured in the ad? Oh, bad. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God, you guys, we should make it. That, that, that's what I'm going to do. That would be so next. rad. <laughs> right. That's going to be my next quarantine project. <laughs> that would be yes. awesome. I like how Clue gets into it, like, with his guitar. and. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I gave this a little, like, two stars because <laughs> I listened to it once. That's it. <laughs> Really? I give it three stars because it's cute and catchy. And I like the original version rather than the Gremlins version. Yeah, I uh-huh. honestly give it four stars just because it's so catchy and you can dance to it and it's fun to make fun of. And it's one of those songs like literally every time I see a star like, you know, on the phone, that freaking song pops in my head. So. <laughs> I sing it all the freaking time, like, in my mind, like, not even verbally, like, because it's just, uh, anyway, that imagery, I guess, it's so iconic in my brain, but, yeah, I gotta give it, like, three out of five, because it's the cutest jingle in the world, it's annoying, it's very annoying, <laughs> and it's it's irritating, it's, it's irritating, but it's so iconic, it's like, but it, I can't, yeah, it's just so cute. I just like a commercial should be. Her. She was young, she needed the money. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And the gremlins are cute. I, to this day, like, if technology starts fucking up, I'm like, fucking gremlins? Like, (laughs) excuse my language. Sorry, you guys. So the next song we have up is heard on season one, episode nine, Rebecca. She'll have your trust before it's earned. But like any nomad, she will wander, breaking the hearts of all concerned. Just 
has a couple versions. The first version we hear is the piano version, and then in a later episode, we hear an acoustic version on guitar. When we were interviewing John Cooksey, um, he talked about it, and it was like, I feel like it was the moment of the interview where, like, he, like, really we made all cried. emotions. Yeah. Yes. Everybody so I'm just going to, because when I reread it again today, I was like, oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, so he said. It's impossible for me to sing. My life is like a turnstile, so many people passing through without choking up. And uh, I think, you know, I think pretty much everybody feels like they're all alone and never part of the big group, right? It's, it's impossible. We can't all be the people outside the group. And yet that's pretty universal feeling. And I, it's been a struggle all of my life to not feel like I'm the one who's alone and never going to be part of anything. And um, so there's a lot of loneliness in Rebecca that I think I identified with. And Molly, it was funny when I, when Molly read the lyrics, you know, uh, that she was on the beach at 13 and, you know, burnt on the, you know, burnt on the outside and raw in the middle. And she said, that was me at 13 years old. And if you know her history with her father, you know that there's a lot there. Um, uh, but it really exposed um, Molly's sadness. And I, you know, I, I, I would say that it probably makes me sad not so much for the friends who left me, but for the friends I pushed away. And I've been pretty lucky later in life to, life to get a lot of those friends back. Um, so, you know, don't give up on that. It is possible to get your Rebecca's back, if, especially now, right? And it is, it's a beautiful thing. I, I think I, 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 uh, I, I, uh, I recently fell in love with one of them, so. Wow. wow, I forgot he said that about Mackenzie reading the lyrics. Because when I was listening to the songs earlier, that line, burn on the outside but raw in the middle, that jumped out at me too because I was like, damn, Molly, you were 13 years old. Who hurt mm -hmm. you to feel that way so young? Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's such a beautiful song for the way it takes a look at a friendship that was lost and that loneliness when you're such a young kid. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a song that anyone can relate to in some way, uh, which makes it so much more special. Yeah, literally the first note I have for this song is makes everyone cry. <laughs> I, I had that note too. Yeah, I really love it. Like, I love how Molly sings it the first time that we hear her sing it in the Rebecca episode. So that version is my favorite. And... Um, yeah, it's just there's so much heart in it, and I think that's why it really ranks up there. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think it's really sad. You know, it's a beautiful song, and I love that it's, an, again, one of those timeless, universal songs that you could show anyone, and they're not going to go, is this a soundtrack song, or this sounds like it's on a soundtrack? You know, because I've had some people say that about some songs I've shown them uh, but this is one that you could hear this on the radio and I, it would probably be a number one hit like if they had mm -hmm. put this on the radio or something you know definitely Agreed. Yeah. especially the piano version I feel like the piano version is such a tearjerker there's just something about it that's more emotional than the acoustic version it's, yeah. it has such strong storytelling and an emotion packed performance it 
still makes me cry every time I listen to it. And it always makes me think of the friends that I had as a kid who I haven't spoken to in like 15 plus years and wondering, do they still think of me? Because every now and then I do think of them too. So this one's definitely a five out of five for me. Yeah, same five out of five. Yeah, same same as me. Five out of five. Cross the board. It's a fun favorite for a reason. Unanimous. Beautiful episode, beautiful song. All right, so moving from one of the saddest songs of the series to one of the more upbeat ones, we first hear the song She Sells in season one, episode 10, Tulpa. We hear Molly start to write what she calls her revenge song about her time spent writing advertising jingles like Star Dot Star. This is probably one of the best written songs there is. The suits fill up her fan club. The boardroom is her gig. Yeah, I love to dance along to it, but I have really bad hearing, and I can only hear she sells condoms by the seashore. <laughs> it can't just be me. That's not what she's selling by the seashore. <laughs> this is oh, a children's show. I, I know, but I cannot no, hear yeah. it. I get you. I, I like what I would hear that in the beginning too, and then I was like, I wonder what she's really saying though. And then I looked up the lyrics. I was like, oh. <laughs> I really love this song because it's very telling, you know, about commercialism and not only commercialism, yes. but what it's what it's like to be an artist and not own your voice, not own yeah. your art. And a lot of artists have gone through this and make. Alex Johnson in particular has had a huge issue with this. You know, she was initially offered that pop contract that Hillary Duff ended up getting and becoming the Hillary Duff that she is today, the pop icon. And Alex Johnson very well, you know, in a parallel universe could have been that star because she was offered that type of contract at the beginning of So Weird. Um, but she took a different uh, route because she wanted more creative control, which she has now as an indie artist. But this song just, you know, is so telling of, of that journey of being an artist and not owning your work and having to work for the yes. man, you know. That yeah. line, in the end, she sells her soul because she knows that's what they want to buy. Like, yep. that is so deep. Current Disney Channel could never. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, like, John points out, like, specific lyrics, which I think is, I mean, they're so clever in writing the lyrics, but he puts, like, you know, obviously this was about her time doing ad jingles. And, you know, Advanced Internet Solutions refers to her jingle for Star Dot Star. Um and then the song also refers to afternoons at that piano on daddy's knees when she was little, which was to introduce us to him. And we see him later, but it tells the audience that he was a nicer man when she was young, yes. when she was little. Yeah, That's so interesting because all we hear about is how Molly's childhood was so cold and her home was so unforgiving. And then we have this imagery of her sitting on practicing piano on daddy's knees. And it's like, oh, so they did have their moments. 
Yeah, but I like the song a lot. And I think when we were doing the podcast throughout season two, I think Zach was saying how we hear the song so much. And I didn't realize it, but it's like basically the season two song because she's working on it for so many episodes. Um, but I like yeah. it as much as we hear. I still like it. I still like it as being the fun song, the clever song. It's a song that I still rock out to in the car. Like, yeah. it's very catchy, mm-hmm. very deep, and it feels very much like a fuck you song. And that makes mm-hmm. it so satisfying to sing along to it in the car. Yeah. Definitely a five from five for me. Yeah, I think it's a four out of five for me. This one I would give and a four and a half because there's just others that I rank as fives and this one's not quite there. But it's really good, so four and a half. Yeah. I realize it's difficult, like, doing this star thing, because me, I just want to be like, five, 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 no, five. Because, like, you know, because I have reasons. Like, of course I have reasons. Like, I remember this episode. Like, I love... I love this episode. This episode was so freaking creepy to me when I was a kid. And then I loved the her music video concept with her being all like spacey and like I don't know, she kind of looked like she was out of the Jetsons cartoon. Like and it it was just super cute. And um the mm-hmm. song is really deep if you take it to that next level and realize like, damn, this is about selling your soul to the devil. Like it really is. And it's it's a deep ass song and and a lot of artists are to this day going through that. JoJo just had to sue her record label to get her music or get her voice back. And even her music still is not on streaming platforms. She re-recorded both of her first two records just Mm -hmm. so that people could purchase that money and she could get paid for that music. Yeah, and Taylor Swift is also going through that uh, whole process Mm -hmm. now too very crazy that how true it is and and show it it goes to show that Mackenzie Phillips songs or Molly Phillips songs these songs that John Cooksey and Amory Cullen wrote they are timeless songs you know they were real struggles about real people and we're still dealing with this crap you know (laughs) this isn't and they stand the whole time they are very easy to rock out to in the car I still Mm -hmm. do Mm -hmm. oh yeah yep I still listen to So Weird 2020 the next one is a very special musical number that we first hear in Medium, and then we hear it throughout season two. It's not a lyrically powerful song, because there are no lyrics, but it's Rick's theme, and it tugs at your heartstrings. love it so much it's very like haunting but beautiful and sad and every time i hear it yes it's like they put it into like those points in the episode when you know rick's sending fee a message or he's mentioned and so they did that so well that like when i hear it i just think of him and all those emotions that come when thinking of him yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's super pretty but i don't have okay this is definitely a uh, not a popular opinion <laughs> but I don't really have that much of an emotional attachment to it like everyone seems to just because I'm way more about lyrics of a song than the melodies but it does have a really pretty melody wow 
I love that you said it that way, Melissa, because I'd never really put it in that context because you're right. Like the way that we as fans love this tiny little guitar piece, it's like it doesn't even need lyrics because we identify it so much with that beloved character that all we need to do is hear a couple twangs on a guitar and we get a gathering of emotion. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. And and that is powerful right there. That's power. Sometimes we hear it like the piano version or a like electric version. I think we heard once and they're each like a little bit different feeling, but they're still sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially the piano. Like I'm thinking of the scene in Encore mm-hmm. when um, Fee like learns of the, the tour is stopping. Yeah. Yeah. It could just enhance the mood, like take the mood to a whole nother level when that played. Cause it was like his presence was shining on them. And it was like that glow from touched by an angel, you know, like whenever they would reveal themselves and be like, I'm an angel touched by God. And then the glow would come and they would shine like an angel. That's what that song would do for the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was that angelic, that ghostly angelic tone. I don't know. Like, what I'm trying to say but yeah it was very powerful how that could induce that feeling so easily Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's a four out of five for me and the only reason why it's Dr. Point is just because it doesn't have those lyrics like Melissa had mentioned but it's still such a powerful tune yeah I think I would give it like a 3.5 out of five but yeah for those reasons but yeah I give it a four out of five same reasons that Kat said. I gotta go with the five out of five just because I love that moment. I identify so much with Chris Gibson and yeah. I I just love Chris Gibson. I don't mm-hmm. I, I love you, man. You know I love you. He's so, such yeah, a nice guy. The best the best type of person in the world. And I have that to say about everyone that I've ever heard of that even touched this show. So mm-hmm. yeah, I love I love him. And that is such a powerful piece. Do we know who specifically wrote that piece? Was that Anne Marie or was that John? Do we know? Um, is it Terry Frewer? Oh, it's yeah. it's actually credited. I feel bad we don't have this, but it's credited. Let me look that up while we kind of move on. What's a so like, weird website? It says that if you mean the guitar melody that was introduced in Medium, it was something that our composer Terry Frewer came up with. We got him to compose mm. it before we shot the episode, then taught it to the actors. After that, since Terry scored all the episodes, it kind of became a signature for Rick's appearances. Mm. You rock. Awesome. Question answered. So that came from so weird 33 tripodcom and allegedly this information is from John Cooksey. Awesome. So next up, we have our first song from the series that was sung by somebody other than Mackenzie Phillips. We had the question song sung by Jewel State in So Weird, Season 2, Episode 3 of Siren. my word well so i really like this song 
but I mainly like it for how Jewel sings it. Uh, but I don't, I don't really like um, how they wrote it. Yeah, I like the harmonizing in the song. It's very siren-like, but I don't actually like the song very much. I'm so glad I no longer feel alone because I never got the appeal of this song. It always bored me. Yeah, same. And I feel bad about it because my sister loves Jewel State, especially since she rewatched the episode and was thrilled to recognize her from Firefly. So she loved it just because Jewel did it, but I just never got the song. Did you listen to like the full version that was on YouTube? Yeah, I've listened to that before, but it's just boring to me. I like how ethereal, there's like a part of the song, like in the middle, where there's like a lot of voices just singing, like, you know, the siren-like song. Oh. Yeah, like that, but there's yeah. like three of them interweaving, and I, like, I really like it, but I just don't like the lyrics. Like, Yeah. Like, really? Oh my god, okay, y'all, alright, I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. I'm like, let me break this down. Um, <laughs> No, you don't guys. be sorry. Of course I you like are. hearing somebody get psyched about it because I just because don't get it. This song, like, I remember seeing this song on television, and for years, all I listened to was the clip that plays in the episode, right? So I have created this whole, like, imagery, feelings. Like you said, it's so ethereal. It's so magical. And then with her being an ancient being like Siren, Mm -hmm. I loved that the lyrics were so incredibly simple because it's Mm -hmm. like she's this ancient god-like creature and yet she's looking at the world and these very very simple metaphors of just like humanity and life and like a hair and a face and you know uh tv and and you know like these these little human things that she was kind of I just thought it was super masterful for, it was John who wrote the lyrics, I believe, Um, you know, to kind of see the world from that material viewpoint, but to be an ancient, almost God-like creature, you know, Um, I, I really found beauty in that. And I thought that the episode, even though it's so small and there's not a lot in the script, uh, I felt like it really carried a lot of weight, and we really believed that character of Callie. Uh, you know, she really came off threatening when she walked up to Fee in that moment. It was freaking creepy. Like, she's like, Then you know I could rip you apart. You know, like how she mm-hmm. just kind of walked up to her. I was like, Damn, this bitch is really scary. Like, so this song really was like haunting to me. It's dreadful to me it's creepy it's gloomy but it's also very bright and very beautiful and hopeful and magical and um i love the full version when i got to hear the full version it was mind blown like i did a Mm -hmm. backflip i did like i can't even tell (laughs) you how beautiful it was for me to hear this song in full as well as the others, but especially this song. And God, who knew that Jewel State had this talent? Because she's not a singer. She doesn't have an album out. She's not out, like, you know, pushing her her singing career. Um, so, like, what a magical piece. Like, one-off piece in her career, you know? Yeah, I really like how she sang it. Like, she really put... It's like she did research on how, like, sirens sound or, you know, or, like, you know, how we think they sound. And I love how she did it. And I think your how you explained it was, like, beautiful on how she's, like, you know, this ancient magical being. And these things are so, like, simple, little human things. I love that. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I really wish I could hear it from your perspective, Jimmy. This show is in my blood, you guys. Like, yeah. I can't even tell you how much this show connects to me on a daily basis. And it has since the moment I first saw it. So, like, to me, it's so magical. And, like, one day I'm going to write a book. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Uh, I forgot to say, I think in our interview, he talked about um, how... They almost had Christina Aguilera on the show. Yeah. Because I think for Siren, they were wanting her. I don't know if they knew who she was, but they wanted like that genie in a bottle song. You can imagine how different it would have been with Christina Aguilera. I know. Christina was supposed to have that part. Yeah. Yeah. Pixie said that he um, he was sitting there when he got this tape from Lee who said... We have this young girl down here that we'd really like to put in the episode Siren, but she has to use her own song. But I'd already written questions, and so I played the tape with him sitting there, this young kid. He was only like 17, super young, and the song was Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera. We got to the end, and I thought, yeah, she's pretty good. I called Lee back and said, eh, I don't know. I want to use my own song. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, was that a bad decision? <laughs> And she wasn't interested in being an actor. Like, she just wanted to promote her song. um, Or the label did, you know? So they weren't interested in her, okay, she could still be Callie, but sing your song. You know, they didn't want to do that. Um, They just wanted her to do her own song. But how different would the episode be? could you imagine how weird it would have... Yeah. Yeah. Like, it'd be so hollow. It'd be hollow and fake because she'd be up there doing Genie in a Bottle and all the men would be mesmerized. Harry wanting to rub her the right way. Yeah. (laughs) And considering how sexual those lyrics are, I don't think Disney would have appreciated it. Mm -hmm. Well, Disney did appreciate it. That music video played on Disney Channel for Genie in a Bottle. Oh, you're oh right. wait, did it? Yeah, yeah, that's where it, like, surfaced. Remember Re- Reflection on Mulan was, like, her first single from her Christina Aguilera album? That was the beginning because she branched through through Mulan by being... She had that Mulan music video when her hair was really short, Aww. and she did Reflection. And then her second single was Genie in a Bottle. And that right. was, like, when she hit. Yeah, I don't remember this at all. But. Well, also, Disney had the relationship with Christina Aguilera already because she was on the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Oh, yeah, girl. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Britney was rising, too, and they needed somebody to go up against her. They did. And they pitted them, you know, like, in the media. But, um, yeah, that's so crazy. It would be so different. And I love that it's a darker episode and that it's gloomier and that it did focus on a different actress because I think Christina would have fucked that shit up. Excuse my language. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'd have been mad. <laughs> I probably would have loved it, but anyway, <laughs> I probably would have because I love yeah. Christina. I do love Christina, but um, I just don't think she's the right fit for that part. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I was going to rate it like a two, but because of Jimmy's soapbox, I'll give it a three. <laughs> I win. Yeah, I gave it a one. I rated it a four. I really do like it. I think we know my rating. Five. Five. (laughs) Go, Jewel. Okay, so moving on back to our next Molly Phillips song, we have the new math. We first hear this one in season two, episode five. Listen. Dear children of our union, it's time to have a talk. It's making it hard to follow. You better get some chalk. Put it on the blackboard, husband minus wife. 
love it. I love the energy. I was looking at her Wikipedia, and the only awards that I could see on her Wikipedia are after So Weird. And she only won one of them out of, like, five nominations. I'm like, wait a minute. She's been acting since she was a child. Like, I know she has to have a larger nominations and things like that because she was an icon, like, back in the 60s and 70s. Like, you can't tell me that she wasn't, you know or maybe not the 60s, but back in the 70s and the 80s, she was an icon. Um, so I would think she would have been like nominated for tons of other awards and stuff. I don't think her Wikipedia is like fully accurate with all of the early awards and things that she was nominated for. Yeah. Or maybe had won, you know, maybe she won. So what would the ratings be for you guys? I would give it like a 4.5 out of 5. I think I'm the same, 4.5 out of 5 for sure. 4 out of 5? Just because, like, it's not one of my favorite songs. And when I was a kid, I really didn't like it all that much. I think because I didn't really get it. It was just this upbeat song with the country hat and the episode made me think it was country. So I didn't like it as much, but I like it a lot more now than I did then. I'm giving it a three and a half stars. Okay. I think it's like, I still think it's good. I think that rating is good as well. I think two and below is like not that great. But yeah, three and a half. It's a song that I listen to. It's just not my fave. Little Goodbyes was also in this episode. This was a song by Shadezy, performed by Shadezy in this episode. It's super nostalgic for me because I grew up on country music. Like, it was my thing. And I loved it to Daisy back in, like, 99, 2000. I just really liked their inclusion in this. I still, like, have never heard anything else by Shadaisy. I've only heard of them from So Weird. But it's definitely not my style. So I don't like this one. I was excited to hear Shadaisy on So Weird as a kid because my mom was a big country music fan, so she really liked Shadaisy. So it was kind of like a, yay, you can like this show now. They have your people on it. <laughs> I think, That's like, hilarious. I think they had a hit. I think they're like a one-hit wonder band, right, Melissa? Like, Yeah, definitely. Because I remember them having a hit on like CMT as well um, <laughs> when I was younger. So I, I remember being at that age, like 12 or something, and I knew who they were when they were on So Weird. And I just remember thinking that that was really cool, but I didn't recognize the song they did in the show, and I don't really care for Little Goodbyes, but um, yeah. I love that they're in the show and like that that was their cameo. and. You know, it boosted the show a little bit. And that yeah. they perform with Molly. That's cool in the So Weird Fiction world. Shadaisy perform with Molly. And they yeah. were willing to lend her their drummer. Huh. Or not drummer, their guitar player. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they could have been, like, another Dixie Chicks if they would have been a little bit more successful. But, of yeah. course, we never got that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about ratings for this one. I feel like I'd give it a 4 out of 5 just because of the nostalgic factor for me. I'll give it a 2 out of 5. I'm withholding a rating just because it's not a so weird song. But it is a so weird song. It's in but so it wasn't weird. Like if we got a soundtrack, this would be on the soundtrack if we got one. You know it would be. I'd skip it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You have to rate it. I, I always skip it. Yeah, then I'd give it a zero because I wouldn't listen to it. Yeah, I give it a no stars. Okay. 
So moving on to our next Molly Phillips song is The Rock. And we first see the writing process for the song in episode 208, Werewolf. And then we first hear the full song in episode 211, Banshee. supposed to be more alone. All that's left of them now are their fears and their bones. But the rocks they pulled up were all I've ever known. I love it. Like I said, for a different song, uh, this one is also just a fan favorite for a reason. It's a staple of So Weird. And that's interesting, too, because it's such a departure from the typical Molly Phillips style. Because it's very heavily influenced by Irish music. Yeah. That's kind of like where Anne-Marie Montade, she, like, was able to bring the Irish influence into the song and the Gaelic in the song. And it's just such a good song. I feel like this one and In the Darkness are two songs, like, that really, like, define the show in a way. Yeah. It's so beautiful. What a powerful song. Uh, What I wanted to specifically say was how magic it was. And, you know, there's something real magical about John Cooksey. I know, like, that God is using him or, like, Satan is using him, one of the two. Uh, Because (laughs) because he's able to emote, like, really several different... dynamics to these different songs like they have different atmospheres and different energies but like several of them all in one song like this is one of them like this particular song I felt like you can identify with it you know if you have daddy issues you could identify with it if you want to know where you come from or if you want to know you know more about your lineage or more about your ancestors like I feel like this song helped me connect to my ancestors in a way um just in the sense that when she's singing and you could hear that lie, 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 I just mm-hmm. feel like you can almost hear the ghosts of the O'Shannon past, I guess would be, right? Um, yeah. Like you could hear them kind of singing with her and just the, I love that he's able to emote that just in one song, an entire backstory just in the music of a song or in the emotion of a song. We're getting more of the story just from the emotion of it. Like, yeah, I really so love beautiful. the lyric. I tried hard to fight, but it still grew inside me because it feels like we can never truly escape our upbringings. Mm-hmm. Like we all end up becoming our parents. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it's such a heartful song. I guess like especially when you watch Banshee and so you see that she is singing right in front of her dad. There's like so much more emotion that comes into play. Um, but it, I feel like it's so fun as well with like the guitar, the beat. It's not like that sad of a beat. It's kind of like a more upbeat type of song. Um, yeah. But still with heartful and sad lyrics. Uh, so I, I love it. It's just so great and different with the Irish influence in it. Yeah, yeah. it's my favorite song to listen to on St. Patrick's Day. My mom beat out to boss and the Irish tenors. My sister would be listening to Flogging Molly or Dropkick Murphy. I'm over here rocking out to the rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome yeah which is like a plug for Anne marie of course and Anne marie montade or Anne marie cullen has several albums out of course she was born in ireland so her music is a very similar type of music feel to molly phillips character um so if you're interested go check out Anne marie Montade slash Amory Colin because she has releases under both names. 
but her music is outstanding and she has like at least five albums just under Amory Montade and then she has an album under Amory Cullen um, under her band Saucy Monkey as well they've released like five or six albums so she's fantastic an amazing songwriter and I hear a lot of So Weird like I'm, I can identify the same type of emotions into her songs as I was able to put into the So Weird songs because it's such a similar feel that I, that I love it and so I can just yeah I can emote it or love it yeah so yeah. check her out definitely a five out of five for me yeah same. is this a question yeah I was like this isn't <laughs> a question come on now moving on <laughs> yeah yeah five out of five definitely so our next song is one that we've touched on a little bit already in season two episode 15 destiny we get to hear another version of into darkness sung by brick Rue as he's possessing molly in my body lies any other further thoughts on this one i yeah i just fucking love it (laughs) (laughs) it's i yeah it's my favorite and i love jack's line as it's being sung Uh, mom seems like uh like she's uh in a good mood (laughs) (laughs) read a headcanon about molly b out. Everybody must think that Molly's drunk in this episode. And that's my favorite. Oh, like, yeah. I give it a six out of five. <laughs> I don't have a rating for this one. It's just it, it's just there. Yeah. yeah, same. It's just a fun thing that I love. Yeah. But I'm not gonna rate it. And now what do you guys think about our, our musical guest this episode, the Moffats who sang Misery? not really my thing yeah this is also like i hadn't and i still haven't heard of the moffats besides the so weird song um so and i don't like that music so it's just also it's just a no for me (laughs) yeah i liked it better than shadaisy true felt something more current yeah and like the type music that me and my sister liked as kids that was my shit, y'all. Like, seriously, I was like, <laughs> misery is what I feel when you're not around, so I can't hear. Anyway, that was my <laughs> shit, y'all. Like, and then those boys, like, seriously, were so freaking fine, like, with their long ass hair. Like, I was like, fee all over them. Like, 
the way Fee felt about them, I still feel that way about them. I love them and they are so amazing. They are actually legends. They have been making music since they were children, like literally putting out Moffitt's records since they were like seven. And they, to this day, are doing very well. Um, you know, they kind of branched out. They're not a Moffitt's band anymore, but some of the brothers kind of have YouTube channels together. Do and they I like just come saw- back together though? Uh, did they? Uh, maybe just, they have. Just because I'm... I remember them, either they commented or they liked one of our um, podcast episode links on Twitter, and I was like, uh, uh, uh. Well, they're <laughs> kind of like. And then I like, like follow them brothers. on Instagram. Yeah. And they're like together. I think they're like back together or something. They're like, like the Jonas Brothers or Hanson. It's like they're brothers. So it's like it never went away because they love each other so much so it's like they go off and they do their own little projects and things but i just saw that two of the brothers that have a youtube channel they just hit over one million subscribers on youtube so that just goes to show that they're doing incredibly well and i'm so proud of them like i love those boys and they're still beautiful and i think one of them is actually gay boys he's gay <laughs> like seriously yeah one yeah, of the brothers Jimmy. one of the brothers yeah <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, sorry about that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so weird to a whole different place. Yeah, so Jimmy gives it a five out of five, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And I, I give it like a two. Yeah, just no stars for me. Same. Oh, I man, like they don't get it. Oh, they don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next song we have in the series is one super different from anything else that we've heard on it. We have Last Night Blues, which was a song in the story that was written by a man that was murdered and the song was stolen. Ooh, yeah. Eleanor, come and wipe my brow. Only you can soothe my fevered brow. Your tender touch is all that comforts me now. Eleanor, the devil. Near to my door Soon he'll be coming through that door When he gone I fear I'll be no more It was never my favorite song But it did creep me out Especially with the whole backstory of the musician's murder I like it, it's okay But I wish we would have gotten an Atticus Foster version Yeah, like we hear a little bit of it I think the Chicago Blues. Oh, Chicago, young man, town. Oh, Chicago, you're a young man, town. But this old man is gonna shake you down. Um, and I like that. Like, you know, his voice sounds good. And I think in the interview with Anne Marie, I think she went more into it and how there is somebody I think in the Santa Monica boardwalk that would sing and she got she was able to get him to record um the Chicago blues part which I think is really neat but I like his version and Molly's version last night blues I don't know I feel like it doesn't go well with her boys yeah I really like the full version of the song better than I like the disjointed clips that we heard in the episode. It's not the worst of Molly's song, but uh, it's also not a Molly song, so... Melissa? I was about to say it is the worst Molly song because it's not a Molly song. 
song. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm high too, Jimmy. I, I can't with y'all. This is actually one of the songs that I literally <laughs> crave to listen to. Like, this song is so freaking powerful to me. I don't, I think maybe it's because like there's magical backgrounds in the songs, like in the episodes. So maybe I identify like so much more emotion into these, but this song is so. I want to scream like how much I love this song. I love her voice. I love the soul she has in this song. She went to a whole different place. Girls, I'm all girls. Yeah. She fucked that shit up. Like, seriously, she did. I was impressed with her performance of it, listening to it earlier today. But I'm still more interested in the writing of the song than I am in the song itself. Yeah, yeah, I actually really like that we get to see uh, here Fee singing and at uh, Ali's in part of the episode. And I remember being sad that, like, remember Fee had, like, written out the rest of the lyrics. She's like, and then the last bit of the lyrics came right out of my fingertips as I was typing them out. And I remember being so jealous, you know, that, like, we could not hear that. Like, we didn't get to hear that in the song that Mackenzie did. But we do now have a full version. And she does sing th- that part that had came mm-hmm. out of Fee's fingers. That blows my mind. Like, it's just, like, headcanon for, like, a 20-year-old fan. Yeah, the full version is impressive. Very. Like I said, I like it so much more than I like the disjointed clips. It's yeah. not my favorite song, but I do really love listening to John's thought process behind it. Uh, Something that he wrote was that he put a lot of effort into the song and that the original lyrics tell the story of a man who's waiting for an evil man to come kill him. He didn't want to make the singer weak, so he made him religious, that he's going to turn the other cheek, even if that means he has to die illustrating these principles. And there are lyric references to look back in anger as well as the nighttime prayer if I die before I wake. And his reference to being buried in his grave is a spin on saying of Jesus, let the earth inherit the meek. And if you can compare those original lyrics to the lyrics written by the man who killed him and sold the songs you'll see that the killer who isn't as good of a lyricist mocks all of his religious sentiments and makes a song about wine woman and money so that's a really interesting take on it i appreciate that thought process behind it more than i appreciate the song itself yeah that's such a deep thought process that's like that's a lot yeah it's such a gem it's one of those things that like it literally inspires me um I love where she was able to take it and where she was able to go because I think it's such an intimidating song. Could you imagine if you were an actress slash singer and somebody gave you that song and said, this is what you're going to perform in the next episode? I would have ran for the damn hills probably like, you know, if I could, if I didn't have that much faith or confidence in my ability. And so the fact that Mackenzie Phillips was able to emote it in su- the way that she did in such a powerful way. And and I know any person who loves R&B, soul, blues music is not going to say that, vo- that that song didn't match her voice. They're not going to say that it didn't sound right. They're going to say she fucking killed it. She tore that shit down. And had she performed that in front of anybody that I grew up around, we would have been jumping on the tables and praising <laughs> her and bowing to her because she fucked that shit up. And I wish somebody will show me somebody else who could sing like Mackenzie Phillips on Last Night Blues. All right. Anyway, y'all, I'm done. I digress. Sorry. Y'all. All right. So what's your rating? Uh, a five. Uh, <laughs> All of that. And it's uh, a five. I'm going to rate it a two. Sorry. Yeah. I think I'll give it like a 2.5. I respect all you guys. I give it well, just because it's 
not a song that I ever listened to for fun. The only reason I listened to the full version of it was because we were doing this podcast. And that did take my respect for the song up a notch. And I do love listening to John Cooksey's thought process behind writing it, but it's not a song that I would listen to personally. Um, I want to find the name of that singer who did the Chicago blues, um, just because this is the music episode, and I feel like we'd be doing a disservice if we don't mention his name, because even Anne-Marie wasn't able to remember his name. And uh, we do have to mention that Bo Diddley was actually a guest star in that episode. Um, and Bo Diddley is a musician, correct? Yeah. On the So Weird Wikipedia, it actually says that the Chicago Blues is sung by Roger Ridley. I'm not too sure how accurate that is. But yeah, I did look him up. And he is a singer. And he did pass away in 2005, I believe. So rest in peace to him. But yeah, he was the one that sang Chicago Blues. The next one is Origami, which we hear in Season 2, Episode 20, Fathom. I've been folding myself in little shapes Trying to please you, trying to appease you And ended up with 10,000 me Because it's, I think, the only song we hear that's just a Molly Phillips song from before she met Rick. So the pre-Phillips King band era. Yeah, so Cooksey says that, yeah, it was an old song of Molly's before she met Rick. As being off on an old PKB album. But he says it was about Molly's stormy relationships. And the fact that she put it back in her repertoire was a signal that she was starting to feel lonely for a man in her life. The song has an edge of physical yearning to it. Yeah, and it sounds kind of jazzy, too. This one, it had to grow on me. I kind of hated it at a time because I associated it with the episode it's featured in. (laughs) But now that I've kind of learned to disassociate uh, them, I appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, (laughs) oh my god. Yeah, unfortunately for me, it's like when I do hear it, because when the episode starts, it starts with this song, and it's just like a montage of Lau walking on the beach and doing other stuff. <laughs> and I don't, uh, I don't like Lau and that montage, so I'm like, man, yeah. I don't know. It's just not one that I enjoy too much. Yeah, yeah. I've never liked it as a kid, but it has grown on me. I kind of mm. wish we had Emily on because Emily talks about this song pretty highly. Yeah, and I was. I think, like, one of the differences I have with my love for this music and and your guys' love for this music, I think I was watching it as it was airing on television. So once I was able to rip it, I didn't get to watch the episodes all the time. I was just constantly listening to what I was able to get my hands on. So you think I'm listening to the music every day, but I've only seen the episode once for, like, years at a time. You know what I mean? So it's like I've gained such a love for the music after seeing an episode once. Um, And then years later, we get the episode on the internet. And then now I can have it at my fingertips. And then now I just have so much love for it that I'm like a nostalgic bomb, you know? But 
but I think that's what happened with this song is like the imagery it would put in my mind because I just listened to the song all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really watch the episode or give any thought to the episode until we're adults now doing a podcast and now I could break down how I feel about it, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I never really even gave a shit about Lau like growing up. I actually thought he was hot and I wished he would come and take me into the ocean. Um, <laughs> But he won't. Um, so, but I love this song, and I love that um, this is the song that Anne Marie has said had a very different version, right? And didn't they completely yeah. change this? They they had redid the whole entire song from the version she initially pitched. Yeah, and, she had like uh, it was like more darker tone, I guess. But the episode was calling for a more upbeat tone. Yeah. I wish we could have heard her original version because I feel like I might have liked it better. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we definitely love it just because we we like a lot of her songs anyway. And so either yeah. direction she would go, I think we'd like it. I like the upper beat one, but yeah, I, I would love to hear Anne Marie's demo for sure. If anybody has a so weird demo tape, a VHS that was pitched to <laughs> Disney back in 1998. No, I'm kidding. Uh-huh. But um, it would have been pitched in 1999. Release that. All right, so what would you guys rate it? I think I'd give it a four out of five. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't love it, but I like it. I don't love it. Yeah. I just gave it a three out of five just because it's just kind of like okay for me. It's not the worst, but it's far from the best. So it's just kind of bleh. Yeah, I give it a three out of five stars as well. Sometimes I compare it to new math, but I like new math better. That's why I gave that one like three and a half. But um, yeah, this one is just, I don't know, the beat. It's not the beat or how she sings it or something. It's not bad, like you said, but it's just not my fave. I dig it. And uh, like you, I kind of associate it to new math as well. I think the two sounds are very similar in this, the both of the songs. But <laughs> I'm opposite of you. I like this one better than I like new math. But I think it's because of all of the imagery. Like new math gives me a lot of mathematical imagery, which I can't <laughs> even deal with anyway. But this one gives me origami like i love how she talks about a unicorn and um a swan and you know like the different origami things we're getting the images in our brain the second we hear the lyric and um i love that about it and i love how poetic it is again and how intelligent it is so i have to give it a five mm-hmm. sorry the, the lyrics are also again really great the secret to love is not origami like not folding yourself yeah and having to break yourself down for someone else or like yearning for someone else's love so you change how you feel about yourself um or the way you see yourself even or what you do your behavior the way you speak i've been in that situation y'all where somebody literally controls everything about you just by nitpicking the way you are and i love that the secret to love is not origami so if you're having to bend yourself into little shapes then you need to get out of that relationship uh back to you and that is the exact reason why this song grew on me because i don't like it for the music it's not my style, but I do really love the lyrics of it. And the message. Yeah. It's it's empowering. Yes. Yeah, I think that's why I gave it a 4 out of 5. The message is good, but yeah. You just have to unpack it a little. Some of us so unpack next... a lot. It's so, weird. <laughs> <laughs> so the next song we hear Sorry. on So Weird is Another World in Season 2, Episode 24, Encore. And this one's kind of special because we hear both a Molly Phillips version and a Rick Phillips version. And on the lost horizon The goal kept shrinking down in size It's been night so long now He doesn't think the sun will rise And he says This can't be all there 
This is the tearjerker, uh, yeah. and I, I think this one. I'm noticing now that it does have mixed reviews, and I always thought that this was one that fans loved across the board. But I'm noticing some people really don't care for Another World. Really? That's I've confusing. Seen that. I know. Yeah. I love it. Like it's my second favorite song in the show. It's so sad, and I love how it tells a story. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Yes. I wonder if the story it tells is actually inspired by uh, Rick and Molly's early relationship. That's the feeling I got. I feel like when you listen to the song, it was written by Rick as a way to channel the turmoil in his and Molly's relationship by going through these characters so they could have that kind of third-person dialogue because they weren't communicating with each other. Yeah, Yeah, that's like, that's so deep, but... I love how this song also allows us to hear a Rick song and hear his inner mind, like how, you know, he is looking for another world, but not sure if he should. Like, he knows the danger in there. Um, Yeah, there's so much background we get into Molly and Rick's relationship just through this one song. And I love Molly's version so much more than Rick's version, just for that duet we get between the both of them. And even though the duet is only happening inside Molly's mind, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I wish there was an official duet version of it out there, but we do have a fan edit of it, which is really nice. It's everything I wished it would be, so thank you, Joao. Yeah, Yeah, thanks, Joe from Brazil. We love you, bro. He he makes amazing So Weird fan-made soundtracks, and and he's a great editor and great musician anyway, so shout out to Brazilian Joe. Yeah, what a beautiful, beautiful song, and in my mind, I feel like this is the song that literally is the definition of So Weird in mm-hmm. in a song. This is the song that is the definition of the meaning of the show. It's the one yeah. time that we get to we get to hear dialogue from Rick Phillips's character without hearing his character, but it's the like it's his message to the audience after so many episodes of being mysterious, you know, and then it's also like a driving factor for his daughter as well, because it's clearly one of her favorite songs. And um, yeah. and it's very telling of the entire lapse of the storyline. Yeah, it's just like so telling on how he was like wanting to pursue these things, but also hearing Molly and knowing that, you know, it could be dangerous. Like that line where he's like, lying here beside you, I wonder what will become of us. So mm-hmm. many dangers, mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. at stake, like, oh. Mm-hmm. But what yeah. I do love, uh, my like one of my favorite lines, probably of all the songs, is the last two lines where it says, I know it's been night a long time, but one day the sun will rise. It's so, like, uplifting after going through something that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite line in the song is the, um, we all have our parts to play and I am playing mine. Mine too. That that's gonna be one of my next tattoos whenever I get a new tattoo. <laughs> this so my favorite part in the song, just because the way the camera shifts to Jack with his hand on Fee's shoulder, and it's just like, oh, Jack's playing his part because he's the knight there to protect Fee. Mm-hmm. Like that, oh, yeah. that moment's just so 
aspects. And it seems like it's almost his apology to Molly, you know, yeah. that he did have to pursue this stuff and and it did ultimately cost him his life and he knows that it's been dark for a really long time but one day the sun will rise you know and he felt like this was his mission this was his goal in life you know he says we all have our parts to play i'm playing mine like i'll help you if i can but i don't know about another world you know like i don't know what's beyond this curtain but i have to search i have to do it and i'm sorry that it's a dark place for you but i have to go beyond this because i know that there's light beyond this darkness and um and i think that's what he was seeking for the afterlife or heaven and he found hell instead and they took him out of his body before his time but don't blame it on the banshees (laughs) yeah the song's a five out of five for me yeah, same. same. Yep, same. Oh, this is a moment for us to talk about David Steele. Um, mm-hmm. We do need to say a gigantic thank you to David Steele for his beautiful vocals. And he posts songs on YouTube. That man can sing everything off. Like, he could sing like someone like i've never heard some of the things he could do but look up david Steele on youtube and find some of the covers and the original pieces he does on his website he did post um some of the marketing and uh different types of audio that work that he does he does cartoon work commercial work uh jingles and advertisement work um and he has different samples of all those different pieces he's done so it's amazing to hear rick phillips voice in all those different music styles and he does have clips on his website so go look up david Steele, the singer um there are a couple singers with that same name so you have to do a little bit of research to find him maybe we could post a a link to his specific website since he is rick phillips voice um yeah go check out his other stuff so our next song isn't a full song because we only had about 30 seconds of it but it has to be included talking about so weird music land of the free which is a pkb song and we first hear it in season two episode 25 of transplant where we get a glimpse of one of molly's old music videos with john and rick welcome to the land of the free welcome to the land of the wish we had gotten a full version of it i know it absolutely slaps like i love this song so much and it's not even a full song yeah just like what could have been and and i was sad because in my mind i remember it being like this amazing duet between david Steele and mackenzie phillips and then when i hear it back as an adult i'm like oh it doesn't sound like a duet at all like all i could really hear is mackenzie's voice do you guys hear david in that at all I don't even think David is in it. Like, I don't no, think he's just like uh, Chris Gibson that we see in the video, but he yeah, doesn't do any vocals. About, like, the audio. Yeah, I never thought yeah. of that. I know they gave like a lot of echo for in my mind. <laughs> in, in my mind, it's a duet. In my memory, it's like a whole duet. In my mind, it's including John as well. Right. Like, it's so weird Just how our brains Mandela shit. So badly, I want Cooksey and the two Mackenzies and Steels get back together and give me a full Phillips Cane Band album because I love it that much. And I just want an entire goddamn album just based on these 30 seconds. Like, yes. just do it. 
it was kind of like the eagle sounding in a yeah. way. Yes. Um, but I really like like you can see how different that their music was to what Molly's music is. And yeah, I feel like John Kane added a lot of like that rock punk vibe to it, which is really cool. Um, but I, I really like the little 30 seconds also. Like it's a full song to me as well. Yeah. And I think this is the song that like really solidified, oh, the Phillips Kane band is a real band, like in, in the fiction of the show. So like it kind of yeah. gave that it gave that life to them being a fiction band themselves. And this is like the one song besides Another World that we have that we get to listen to. But that band is like super beloved by the fans of this show. And they're completely fiction. And like, we only have a 30 second clip. And like, we like, they're super beloved. Like everybody in the So Weird fandom loves PKB, you know, like it's a passionately adored. And um, I, I dig that. And I think it's worth mentioning that, uh, you know, if you're hardcore fan we did kind of get a little pkb reunion yeah so like online i'm kind of online friends with um like mackenzie gray and like chris gibson and um recently they actually met up um because mackenzie was actually in the hospital recovering from surgery and they've like oh i know a lot of the cast are like kind of still connected but i think they've like reconnected and they visit they saw each other and like posted a picture and they were kind of like oh this is kind of like a pkb reunion in a way which is so awesome and then Mackenzie came on and liked it right and they Mm -hmm. had like said something to her and she said something to them and it was just super sweet but that happened and that's what we wanted to let you know we got a pkb reunion for like the you know the Mm -hmm. the diehards i guess i don't know it was (laughs) a sweet moment so rating five out of five I think I'll give it a four. Yeah, I give it a four as well, just because it's short. Yeah. I don't care that it's short. It is filled with love. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I got to give it a five just because of everything that I thought it was, everything it ended up not being, and everything that and it everything could have it potentially been. Yeah. And everything yes. it represents. Yeah. Yeah. High yeah. five and you, Jimmy. Social distance Air high five. five. Air <laughs> five. I got you. All right, so we go from this very upbeat rock Phillips came band song to what is maybe the saddest song of the series, Love is Broken, which we first hear in season two finale, episode 26, Twin. Touches on my fingertips, tears are still on my cheek, your voice still makes me weak, gifts I will never To me, this is not a song. It is an epic. Yeah. It's my all-time favorite song from the show. Just going to say that. And it's so powerful. And it's so interesting how it came to be. And the bridge breaks me every single time I listen to it. Like, 
you know what you know the day you go away then i'll become a ghost it doomed to walk the world without the one i love the most it's just so mm. sad so heartbreaking and i love it yes if there's anybody out there who has not heard the full version of the song you have to look it up on youtube the exact same line is one that i wrote down too because it makes me cry every single time yeah I think what was kind of interesting that John said in the interview was that More Like a River and Love is Broken were kind of, they're the two songs that bookended his time on the series and they really bookended like Molly's experience of her own grief in the series. But yeah, it's also like my favorite, favorite song because of how like grand it is. It's like such a ballad. I actually wanted to read what another So Weird fan, Betsy, uh, what she wrote about it, because when I read it, I just, like, she just wrote the perfect words. But she actually yeah, put, like, it's such a ballad, the steady intro, the guitar solo, the fact that I can't hear the studio version without also hearing the scenes of Fee being saved and reunited with her dad. A lot of fans describe the song as haunting, and I wholeheartedly agree. It means so much that Molly wrote this when Rick was alive. There's that line... The day you go away, then I'll become a ghost. Yeah, doomed to walk the world without the one I love love the most. It's as if she knew that losing him wasn't going to be hard enough, but that she'd lose herself too. He wasn't just gone, but she was left behind with the remains of what they had together. Part of the song's beauty is that you don't have to be in a rock band or come from a line of witches to connect to it. For a long time, I related to the song only to the show, but as I got older and continued to listen, I began to connect it to my own life and the people and relationships I've loved and lost. Yes. Aww. I yeah. love that. We love you, Betsy. Aww. There's so many lines that just are so heartbreaking, like the gifts I will never give you, the life I will never live with you, words that will never be spoken the moment I lose We're going to sing it. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're going to make me freaking cry. I'm like freaking seriously like tearing up. I was about to be like, ugh. Like, oh my God, that was so beautiful. Y'all are going to make me cry. I did not expect this to be an emotional episode, y'all. Mm. I mean, I guess I did, but not that much. Yeah. I didn't mean to yell. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> okay. Yeah. And she, she like, kind of ends it off with saying like, love gets broken. It's messy. It's, it's difficult. And even if we don't know how we'll continue, we find a way to keep the faith and do so. Which is like great for Molly and how she deals with it. Yeah. Yeah. Full song. This song is so, oh my God. Like, I can't even tell you. And to see some some of the fans that have got to hear the full version, to read some of their testimonies of how this particular song meant so much. And they waited for this song like when you think of the so weird soundtrack or or getting a soundtrack i think this is one of the most important songs that come to your mind you're like that needs a release because it was there was such a disservice to it by having the audio even though the audio was you know beautiful from the episode it did disservice the beautiful um guitar solo of the song and i love that we do have a clean studio version now that sounds just pure rock and pure molly phillips yeah what a gorgeous song it's so, like i had a like emotional response to it like when i did experience that first like loss of love and then i was just randomly listening to stuff and then this came on and then i was paying attention to the lyrics and i was like oh my god these lyrics are too much <laughs> interesting how music could do that huh mm -hmm. like yeah 
different context and then you see it in a whole different light. That's why yeah, I never say it, music sucks. I would never say anybody's music sucks. I feel like every artist has something to offer because it's all subjective. Yeah. For me, the song hit home so much harder after my dad died. And like listening to the song, thinking about my mom and Molly's place. Like it was just, oh. Yeah. Like my dad had passed so unexpectedly. And then to have that juxtaposed with Molly having this impending sense of doom that she knew she was going to lose her husband. Like that, oh, it just hits you so hard. Yeah. I can't imagine it's that. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, so, yeah, I give it a 5 out of 5. Same. Yep, same. Absolutely. Well, nobody's going to like our... Well, they'll like our review because all you guys gave different fives. I was going to be like, we give, we're giving fives to everything. No, Jimmy, you're giving fives to everything. <laughs> I just want to take a moment <clears throat> for the fans to realize, you know, and, and people who maybe aren't fans of the show, but just of maybe Mackenzie Phillips' music. Mackenzie Phillips, during the time of her writing her memoir and going on the Oprah Winfrey show and talking about what happened between her and her father and her life in turmoil, you know, some people in her family, namely her stepmother, Michelle, Michelle Phillips from the Mamas and the Papas, had specifically said, and I believe her sister, China Phillips from the, the band Wilson Phillips, had also kind of thrown in Mackenzie Phillips' face at the time when her family was having a lot of struggles. Because those two women I mentioned are very successful musicians, they had thrown in her face that her legacy hadn't really stood for anything and that she hadn't really accomplished anything in her life and that she was just a drug addict and she didn't have anything to contribute. And and those things were said in live interviews. Yeah, in live interviews so on the news. It's all on YouTube. It's it's out in history. And so I just wanted to take this moment to say that Mackenzie Phillips didn't have a gigantic band like her sister. She wasn't a huge pop star like her other sister. She wasn't in a gigantic, timeless, legendary band like her parents were. But she did have a legacy and her music legacy lies in this show. And there are a few other songs she's done for other projects, but this is her legacy. And the fact that this music is her album. This is her discography. And this music it has touched so many people. And so for her family to say that she didn't have anything to contribute musically is not true. And I just wanted to say that she has contributed probably, if not as much, maybe more than her family has because it's touched people in such a personal way. You know, Disney released our favorite show after 20 years because we wouldn't shut up. So I just wanted to say that, that she did leave a legacy and she is a legendary artist and she's not only a vocalist and an actress, but she's also a songwriter and a musician. And she does have credits. She's written for a, and worked with many influential artists. And I just wanted to say that, that she's not just like the actress that could sing like a lot of people give her credit for, but she's a truly legendary icon artist and to be yeah. fair she was a legend before so weird mm -hmm. because my mom did not want me to watch this show because of the weird stuff my dad was the one who recognized her from the mamas and the papas and was like oh Mackenzie Phillips yeah she's a great musician watch this show so he was the one on my side and he was the reason why I got to watch the show and it was because of her role in that band that's so awesome. And just to clarify, her parents were in the original Mamas and the Papas in the 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. but the, Or I think it was just the no, er, late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, and she, but the new Mamas and the Papas in the, in the early 80s to the early 90s. Just to clarify that. 
because there's different records you could buy and if you don't look it up right you won't find the correct information thanks so, for putting that you know putting that out there I'm so passionate, you guys. Sometimes I have to check myself because I go on tangents. Y'all know me. Um, but I love her so much. And I get heartbroken when I hear people say that, like, well, she's not as good as her sisters or she can't sing. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, you don't even they know do, how and how talented she is. Like, back up. You know, like, <laughs> I love her so much. I adore her. John Cooksey as a lyricist. Hats off to him. And hats off, off to Anne-Marie Montagle. I do want to take this moment, I guess. So, um, well, there were two other musicians in the first couple seasons that we didn't mention because there wasn't a song sang in, in their specific episodes. But um, <clears throat> I want to mention that Dionne Warwick, you know, was in the episode Lost. She plays one of the aunts. And Dionne Warwick is the cousin of Whitney Houston. She's a living legend who sang, you know, What the World Needs Now, um, which is an amazing, beautiful, legendary song. Dionne is still making music. She actually just had a residency here in Vegas. I think it was like, what, last year or 2018? She was here and I wanted to see her, but I didn't get to because, you know, she's not getting any younger. But she did just release a new music video for What the World Needs Now. She did an updated studio version and there's a new updated music video online. So go check it out. Dionne Warwick, Whitney Houston's cousin, can't go wrong. And then another artist, um, which I didn't even know he was an artist until like, I think, oh, it was because of the girl who did the feminist breakdown. Oh, what was right, her name? Yeah. Going rampant. Going rampant does feminist breakdowns of certain so weird episodes and so and episodes of other other fiction as well um and, and she's amazing amazing queer journalist and um she brought out that ed ivanko is an amazing singer who played in second generation he was actually the scientific dad um who created fee's little boyfriend and i didn't know he was like some legendary singer from canada and he actually went on to become a catholic priest in ukraine and i'm actually wow. sad to announce that he passed away in 2018 so rest in peace, oh. Ed Ivanko. Another loss for the So Weird family. Yeah, this show really had, like, really big mu music guest stars, which is, like, maybe some of the younger fans, like me, and, like, maybe even more younger watching now, like, don't know. But that's really awesome for them. Yeah, it's crazy how even, like, stars like Dave Squatchword and Patrick Levis and Eric Lively and Belinda Metz like they're all musicians as well and so like not only were the characters that were musicians on the show but even even the surrounding characters were fantastic musicians themselves so that that's so beautiful all right so that about covers season two so moving on to season three the first song we hear is in season three episode three detention at the end of the episode we are graced with one in a million worlds what are the chances there be you and me there is no might have been i say it's destiny is the weirdest musical sequence in the entire show. <laughs> oh my god. 
Yeah, I don't particularly like it, but I also don't hate it. But it's a good introduction to Annie's vocal abil- abilities, which is what I figure its purpose is. Yeah, I love the face Molly makes when she realizes that Annie can <laughs> sing. <laughs> yeah, so this is like a Molly slash Annie song. Um, Except it makes no sense to me that Molly is the one who had supposedly written the song. Like, yeah. it, it's just laughably bad now that it was written by a middle-aged widow. Because if they had introduced this as an Annie song, it would have been great. Because it sounds like a song written by a preteen teenage girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been passable as a show uh, or a song about Annie having a crush on somebody. But, like, who is who's Molly singing about? Like, there's no context for it in this show whatsoever. But with that said, I loved this song when I was a kid. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were the target audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about this one. I don't enjoy it. <laughs> it's just so, like, a different, like, we're so used to Molly's, how she sings. She's labeled as a rock star, and then it's such a shift, you know, just to indicate that we're shifting to more Annie singing and more her style. And it also seems like an introduction to Disney wanting to lighten up the themes of the show. So we automatically start with a Molly song being like super light, super fluttery um, and corny kind of. Right. Um, So I think that was Disney trying to say like, Ooh, look, Molly's making lighter music now. And not only that, but the song was like kind of about Molly and Annie, which is kind of weird. Like, Ooh, now the show's about like me and Annie, like Molly and Annie, like one in a million world who would have thought you would be the one, you know, out of all the people you and me, you know, (laughs) it was kind of like a Molly Annie song. I get, it's cute for what it is. Like you said, it's a great introduction to Annie's or to Alex's vocals. But and also it's an introduction that Annie, like her mom had said, it's like clarifying that her mom had said she could pick up any instrument and play it. And then she like whittled a damn flute out of like a stick and plays it. You know, <laughs> so they're like trying to show you like, look, for real, she's magic. Like, don't forget. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but um, yeah, I loved it. I give it like a two out of five. Yeah, I would give it the same, two out of five. I actually gave it a three out of five, but I had bumped it up because originally I was going to give it like a two, but I only bumped it up just because eight-year-old me absolutely loved it. Uh Now, it hasn't aged well at all. It's not something I would listen to in the car and sing along with anymore, but as a kid, I absolutely loved it. So they definitely reached their target demographic with that one. Yeah, I I have to give it a one, but I do want to preface that most of my ratings on on this season would be lower just because, like, the style is not my song. I will clarify that I do still sing it, and I sing it with pride, and I sing it happily. (laughs) I love that, Jimmy. Can you sing it for us right now? Can you sing a line or two? Um... (laughs) <laughs> I could try. Um, let's see. Now, what is the what's the first lyrics now? I can't remember. <laughs> it's uh okay. Um, <laughs> Let me see. What are the chances there? Oh yeah. You? So it's like, what are the chances there'd be you and me? Do 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 do. And then she's like, I feel bad. I'm drawing a blank on this song, but I haven't heard it in a while. But anyway, yeah, that's it. I guess. Um, it's a one, one. One in a million worlds, and we're two, two, two in a billion, and a one in a million world. Zero stars in the sky. All right, no, billion stars Zillions. in the sky. Planets <laughs> all spinning by. We'll shake away what might have been, 
And here we are again. It's a one, one, one in a million world. Anyway, sorry, I was kind of sharp on that, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Shanks, I love these songs. Okay, so our next song in season three comes in episode five, Voodoo. And it's a song all about voodoo, because that's what the episode was about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's called What You Do. It feels like it's just there for plot convenience, and it doesn't feel like an Amali song at all. Really. Exactly. There's no context in for the song in terms of why Molly would write it. Who is doing voodoo to put a spell on Molly's heart to drive her to write this emotionless song? Like, <laughs> clearly it's just a writer who wasn't allowed to pick John Cooksey for decent lyrics that would make sense for the character. Because Molly would not write that. She has no reason to write that. Yeah, agreed. It doesn't make sense, but I have to say I do like the vibe of the song. Um, I wish it was a full song. I think I would have liked it. But I do enjoy the little bit that we do here, even though the lyrics don't make sense. I like it musically, but I don't like it lyrically. Yeah. the lyrics are just, like, completely void of emotion, and there's no real reason for them. But it sounds cool. Yeah. I have, like, a spectrum of feelings about this song, you know? And each emotion I have this song is, like, a different color because they mean different things to me because of the different things that have happened over time. So like, I guess from the beginning, my first thoughts of this song, you know, you're right. It doesn't sound really like a Molly song. And I think that might have something to do with John Cooksey stepping away. And then Terry Frewer, who was on the, the first couple seasons had worked with John, but then when it all became like his job, it's mm-hmm. almost like he took Molly back to those jingle writing days and we're, like her songs sound more jingly, right? Like One yeah. in a Million World, Voodoo is just kind of very repetitive um, and in that start at star or like jingle kind of way. Um, so, and I think that might have something to do with the difference of Terry writing the songs or John writing the song. And correct me if I'm wrong, if it wasn't Terry who wrote that song, but in my brain it was. Yeah. Um, so that's one feeling I have is like, I could see the difference of it. And like, I think it was Melissa who said it is kind of a plot filler now. Yeah. Um, and that makes sense. But then I have this whole other feeling about it and this whole other spectrum of emotion toward this episode. And, and you know, because it does go into my personal past with my familial background and religious background. But Alex Johnson as well as an artist, you know, this, this topic of voodoo, this subject of voodoo, is is very big in in the world or the universe or the eras of Alex Johnson's music and one of the main reasons being is her first record was called Wait and it was shelved and that was due to that lack of control that I was telling you guys about that she was offered a contract during the time of So Weird she did later after her successes on Instant Star and writing four or five soundtracks for that show she did end up signing to Capitol Records then she signed to Epic Sony and she got dropped from both of the labels over periods of time so she had recorded a bunch of material with Capitol she had recorded a bunch of material with Epic and actually finished her record called Wait 
and it was due to be released. It actually had a release date. It had been mastered. Uh, Epic actually put five of the songs on her official MySpace. So we had songs from that record. And unfortunately, it was shelved. And Greg Wells had produced it, who is very, very influential producer who's worked with many, many people. Anyway, Alex has specifically said that she feels that there is a voodoo spell over her art and that for some reason she was unable to get her music out the way she wanted. So when they shelved her first record, her and her brother went back into the basement. They went back to their roots. They wrote these amazing songs that sound very, very theatrical and they called that record voodoo and the title track is voodoo and so in my mind it just is like another layer of this episode is that oh and she went on and her record is called voodoo and she has a single called voodoo you know or not a single but another song called voodoo which was kind of treated as a single at that time by orange record label but anyway i love uh the song in hindsight and then for years we we do have a demo of this song so we for years we thought that it was alex johnson that was actually singing that demo so i had that correspondence as well she later was able to clarify that it wasn't her and it was actually like a demo singer from production days um so that's where it was from and we don't know who that demo singer is so again if you're listening or if anybody knows who that is if you worked on the show please let us know but yeah those are my thoughts it's really powerful to me because it has like five or six different emotional meanings to me over the 20 years that I've been a fan and also seen Alex move through her career and navigate as an indie artist and being dropped from major labels. So I have a lot of feeling toward this episode and definitely that song. And I love Mackenzie's version as well because I think her vocals are beautiful. Sorry, that was a lot. No, that's great information though. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And I especially really feel for Alex because that's got to be devastating to be able to make something and then not be able to share it with the world when you want to. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine? Like, I feel the frustration of not being able to get my art out at the level I want or not to have the production level that I want or, you know, to not have people backing me, but then to have people back you and to create a whole project and then for them to say, "Uh, actually, sorry about that. This is trash, you know, Mm -hmm. and then move on and then just leave you standing in the road and like you just worked your heart out. You know what I mean? So and it's your it's your art like you created it out of nothing. Um, so I can't imagine that pain. And she has said that it, I think it, recently in her most recent live or interview, she did an interview with a Polish site and, um, and that's available now online. It just came live. She just did an interview with a Polish website. And um, she specifically said that it did affect her mentally being dropped from those labels and, and that she did have a lot of depression about it. And yeah, it goes even deeper, but yeah. So what would you guys rate this one? Since I like the vibe and, you know, I like it better than one in a million, I give it a two. (laughs) Two stars. Yeah, I think I would give it a 2.5 just because I do like it better than a one in a million. And yeah, I just like it a little bit better. I think I'm going to go with a four out of five just because of all my strong feelings. I gave it a one out of five just because there's no context for it in terms of character it's just like melissa said it's just a song that's there because it ties into the plot but there's no real substance behind it to me so then we move on from a molly phillips song to annie's first song in the show this first song that's just her anyway with never give up which we first hear in season three episode seven rewind
personally love this one. It really shows what Annie is capable of, and I kind of dig it. Same. It's a really good pop song, and the vibe of it is so early 2000s, but, like, it's still a good bop. Yeah. Yeah, I actually like this one probably, you know, it's it's high up there for her songs for me. So I do like it, and I think, like... I don't know. I saw this episode a lot on TV. So season three is more like nostalgic for me because I didn't really watch season one and two that much growing up. And so I got older. So this one feels like there's nostalgia there because I think I saw this episode a lot of times. Yeah, it's definitely one that stands out for me uh, from growing up as well, which is weird considering I honestly don't remember watching the Annie season that much uh, as a kid, but apparently I did. This one, man. you know, I think uh, a lot of Alex fans have, you know, kind of thought, is this the song that got her, you know, that record contract that was offered to her? Because this song really was better than, better, you know, and I don't mean this offensively because I'm a huge Hillary Duff fan, but, it, you know, it was kind of better than what she was capable of vocally. Now, don't get me wrong, she has her own style of music. I love her voice and she sings live and she kills it. But she has a very delicate kind of posh spice kind of vocal ability, but I dig it. And, um, but... Alex has that big voice, you know, the one that can kind of hit four ranges. She's a quintessential vocalist. Um, So I think that song is what got her that contract. I really love the message in the song. I love it. I love pop. I'm a a teeny bopper. So um, pop never bothers me. I love S Club 7. So in the Spice I'm on the Spice Girls. So (laughs) and I still listen to that today. Like that's my favorite music in the world. So, yeah. What would you guys rate this one? Uh, I think I'd give it a four out of five. This one, I'm giving a three out of five stars. I'm going five. Yeah, I gave it a four out of five because I loved it as a kid. And it still holds up well enough that if it comes on my iPod, I don't skip it. Like, I'll still listen to it because it is that good. So the next one that I have on here is the Panther theme. So Annie's theme that we hear a lot on, like, kind of throughout season three. because I actually really like the theme. It just brings so much nostalgia for me because I was really into season three growing up and I was really invested in whatever storyline, like, you know, what is it going to lead up to? What is the Panther? Why is the Panther there? So I really do like this theme. Yeah, I really like it. I feel like it's used in a similar way as Rook's theme is used in the season two. It has this certain feel about it. I just really like it. Yeah, I feel like it has, like, very earthy vibes, and I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is... Oh, my God. This is probably my most favorite thing about So Weird. Is that crazy? That That's probably my favorite thing in the whole world. Like, literally... 
I always listen to it. It's it's always on my Alex shuffles. Like if I shuffle her, it's in there, and it's always like included in anything that I do that's shuffling like her music. Mm-hmm. So because it it embodies that character so much, it embodies her. It, it embodies like the deep core root of how I feel about her. Um, so and she inspires me in like literally every single way, every single day, and she has for the last like since I was thirteen, and I'm thirty one. So yeah, balance. Yeah, I just I love like the the marimbas or whatever instrument that starts it off, and then the flute instruments that goes on. Oh, I just really like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'd give it like a four out of five. I would give yeah, it a four true. out of five as well. I'm going with the five. I think it's a four <laughs> out of five. It doesn't give me all of the feels, but. Still, I also was really invested in the Panther storyline as a kid, and it is a good theme. Oh, actually, this is probably a good time to talk about the gentleman who played Thomas Morning Sun. Did you guys know he's actually a singer and a guitarist? No. And I actually bought his, um, I just bought his record off of his website because I was doing research for this episode and um, saw that he had his record on his website, uh, which is Glenn a gold g-o-u-l-d dot com and he has an album on there and he's a singer and a guitarist i don't know he's clearly a songwriter um so yeah i just wanted to shout out glenn a gold who played thomas morning sun um who did walked annie through her spirit walk and uh, figuring out why she had the panther following her and uh yeah he's a singer nice And getting back to more Annie music, the next song we have is Dream About You, which we first hear in Season 3, Episode 9, Carnival. Or if you watch Disney Channel a lot, you probably heard it in that commercial that played all the time in 2000. like it but it feels incomplete but i also love it because it's also our first face of alex as a songwriter yes that i think is why the song is most memorable because i think even on disney they promoted it like in behind the scenes so weird thing that this was a song that alex wrote yeah for me this love it one that i passed really yeah i'm wow i think at the time it, that i first heard it I was her age. Was like, I was 13, you know? So I was in that same headspace of, like, you can take your time, boy. You know, like, I, oh, my God. Like, I want your number. Like, all that shit. Like, I was mm. on that level, you know? So I totally identify with that song. And I love it. And it's it's one of the songs in the series that has, like, a couple... It has two separate titles. But only because in that behind-the-scenes video, um, it's actually labeled as to dream about you but in the credits of the show it's just called dream about you just to clarify i guess this Here, I'm song sorry. just made me feel like alex was on the same level as like destiny's child christina aguilera like all the top pop artists of the time like there's just something about the song that made me feel like oh yeah she's a real artist and there are so many artists that credit her influencing their careers today um you know she's worked with drake she's worked with bruno mars she's worked with michael buble she's worked with bob grath 
She's worked with David Foster. She's worked with, oh my God, like influential songwriters, influential like people in the music industry, people you wouldn't even think. Like you'd be like, oh my God, she worked with that person. Yes, she did. Um, they literally, there's a quote where she is the most famous person you have probably never heard of because she's worked and influenced. Demi Lovato said, the reason I am a singer is because I saw Alex Johnson. She is the reason why I picked up a guitar and started writing music. And th there's literally a video of her saying that. Alex Johnson is an absolutely amazing, you know, she's a capital and epic and orange record label signed songwriter and singer. Um, and to whatever other label she's been signed to, and there have been others. But um, I wanted to talk about a song that she wrote that I thought Coralelle She Sells. And um, I just thought of this last or last night when I was doing notes. But she has a song called L.A. Made Me. And you know how we were talking about She Sells and how that was about selling your soul? And that's literally a lyric in that song that Alex wrote called L.A. Made Me. And it's all about those two records being shelved and, and about her being signed to those labels and being dropped. So, uh, yeah, if you didn't know, Alex has a song called L.A. Made Me. It's a lot like... The vibe of She Sells by Molly Phillips, and uh, I think you might enjoy it. So go check it out. How would you guys rate Dream About You? Five. I'd give it a four out of five. I would just give it a one star. Just a one? Wow, Kathy. It Hater. Fit my style. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's the, that's the I only. I actually yeah. rated it a three out of five because at the time it was fantastic, but listening to it now, it's very dated. Like, it's definitely a song of the early 2000s. And looking, listening to it now, it's kind of shallow. It worked great at the time, but it's very of its time. Yeah. I think it's sweet. I love it. I was right in that alley like, we could take our time, boy. We could get to know. I think I want to know you and I think it's going to show. Give me a signal. Give me a sign. I need an indication to know if you are mine. Give me a sweet kiss and I need your number too. Give me inspiration to think of or to dream about you. <laughs> yeah. So, damn, like that shit is in my heart. Yeah. yeah, you have to be, like, in the mood to listen to early 2000s pop to, like, yeah. enjoy the song, though. Yeah. I feel like it would be out of place, like, listening to, like, the old Molly Phillips songs from seasons one and two, and then to hear Dream About You, like, no, they don't belong on the same record. Right. Mm -hmm. Our next song is actually the first and only song we hear on So Weird that's sung by Patrick Lovis as Jack, Dream About Me, in Season 3, Episode 12, Changeling. Or Dream With yeah. Me, sorry. Close your eyes and I'll show you how to fly Catch a cloud and take it for a ride In your dreams you can be anyone you ever wanna be close your eyes dream with me close your eyes and dream with me i think it's cute and i really like the image it puts in our head of jack as a little boy and rick singing the song to him Yes, I think it's one of the best things they did in season three with that little thread of a plot about how Jack hasn't sung since his dad died and this is the first time he's sung since the accident. So sweet. 
Yeah, and there's some like musical genes, I guess, that you know passed down to Jack. And I, I think that they let Jack sing since he is a Patrick Levis is a singer too. So maybe this was like his opportunity to show that on the show. But yeah, I think he sung really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. Patrick Levis is a good singer within his own rights. He had a band with his brother and sister called Least of These, and he also recently released a solo album called Extravagant God. And they are beautiful records. Uh, I have both of them. I love them. And um, I didn't know this until I actually looked him up, but Patrick Levis actually was, uh, he'd worked a lot in theater when he first started acting, and he actually is featured on the soundtrack for the theater recording of the show Big, you know, the Tom Hanks movie? He had been in the theater show, and so he's actually on a few of the songs from the soundtrack of Big, uh, the live show, and you could find that on YouTube. And when he's a young kid and his voice is like prepubescent, so he's got like a really high like little girl voice because he's like a little kid back in 1996. It's so cute. And I have that as well, of course, (laughs) the soundtrack. Yeah, this is such a cute lullaby. And I have had this song on my iPod and I would listen to it just because I love his voice that much. And thinking that it came from Rick also like kind of makes you kind of see their relationship a little bit more and you kind of feel that feeling of Rick behind it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So would you guys rate this one? I think I'd give it a four out of five. I'd give it a three. I'd give it a four. Four. I'm I'm like five. (laughs) Just because (laughs) it's like the one song that we get, like it's season three and then Patrick finally get asked to do a song and he has music theater background he probably has been itching to do a song the whole time I'm sure a lot of them were I'm sure Belinda Metz was itching to do a song you know for a long time Uh, but yeah so it's cool and I I love that he got a chance to do a song so five out of five good job Pat and then the next song is in season three episode 17 The Muse where we get Thinking About Tomorrow another Molly Phillips song one of the better songs of season three. Oh, definitely agreed. And no, although I never really particularly love this one, I actually forget it exists until unless I happen to watch the muse. But yeah, it is really good. It is one of the better ones, I think so too. Um, I think it's interesting, like, you know, I try to read the lyrics to see if they're more to the song, just relating it to the episode or not. And I feel like it's Molly, like, finally getting over the grief or not finally but being able to like live day by day and you know the lyrics are like a whisper that I lost someone he tells me right and wrong helps me sing my song so I'm like okay that's you know the muse which is Rick and then she's like slamming the doors on days gone by saying hello to the sunny skies it's kind of like where back then she says like yes one day the sun will rise and then now it's like you know she's enjoying those sunny days yeah yeah i I love that it actually feels like it has an appropriate context in the show it's very upbeat and catchy and at times it kind of feels almost too upbeat for molly 
But then it's a good song because, like, you can see Molly turning over a new leaf in her life as she's kind of saying goodbye to the ghost of Rick and like looking forward to new days. And it's like, yes, character development and musical form. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm glad they did that, at least, you know, mm-hmm. to acknowledge his character. And that's like the one and only time that we hear the Rick theme, right? Like when we see him again, yeah. that's like season in the three. season three. Yeah. I love that song. It's so pretty. And I think it's so hopeful. You know, I'm thinking about tomorrow. Yeah. Wow. You know, like, that's the law of attraction, you know, like, to put out positive energy and then attract positive energy. If you put out negative energy, you're attracting that. So I love that song. It's like, because she was so pissed off during the whole episode. Like, you know, she was frustrated. Mm -hmm. She was angry. But then she finally finds that like light at the end of the tunnel. And and I love that, you know, like in the darkness is the light. And yeah. and I love that this song is kind of the balance of those first season songs that she has kind of gone into, you know, she's not getting any younger at this point. And so it's it's beautiful. So what do you guys think for ratings? I'm going to give it like a 3.5 or 4 out of 5. Yeah, a three and a half stars for me. I gave it a four out of five because it is honestly a good song. And even outside the context of the show, it's a song that I can still listen to in my car and like sing along to. Yeah, man, I think this is my favorite one besides While I Stare, um, because I love the season three songs that Molly does. Yeah, I think this is my favorite one. I love this one. Um, So I got to go with a five. And we get to see Rick again. Also in the muse, we get to hear the marvelous waitress rap. Yo, burgers, baby, all the way. I know how to cook if you don't have pay. Steak and fries, I can do it. Watch me now. Get right to it. Can any of you guys do it? No. <laughs> that would be so great. I know one of you guys can. Can you oh do it, Kat? Give me a second. Give me the lyrics. Actually, no, don't give me the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Yeah, I think I give it like a 4.5 out of 5. Oh, it's a 5 out of 5 for me. Yeah. This is Dolores from Dead Like Me rapping about hot dogs. Five out of five. <laughs> hot dogs, baby, all the way. I know how to cook if you know how to pay. That's all I can do. <laughs> really? Oh, I was totally waiting for that to keep going. You know what? I'm upping it to a five. <laughs> really? Awesome. I'm just putting this as a like a two. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go with a three. <laughs> Because she did do a great job, and it was it, we did not expect that. It was super spontaneous, and I, I'm sure it made everybody laugh like the first time watching it. And then the end credits is like a remix of it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah with it's... actual music behind it, with music behind it. Somebody yeah. did a wonderful video to it on YouTube where they use like the rainbow graphics from Windows Movie Maker. 
it's yeah beautiful. i think i saw that actually and it's like super like schizo but it's yeah. it's great it's great yeah that's on youtube somewhere look up the waitress rap all right so our next song is another molly phillips song in season three episode 22 gone fishing this one's called a different story sometimes i fail sometimes i close my eyes the different places that i found were only in my mind It's honestly the best part of the episode. <laughs> One of the best songs, Mount Molly songs in season three, in my opinion. And it holds a lot of uh, meaning for me as someone who has basically had to rewrite my life at a few points of time. And I really wish we had a demo <laughs> or a demo would leak. One specific line that like really hits me in this song is I come across a different place a different way of life looking for the time I've lost to put the past behind Hmm. it's just one of those songs that really has a lot of meaning for me wow was this the one where you got like the tattoo yes yeah yeah, I have a tattoo that says you can write a different story Mm -hmm. that's awesome Mm -hmm. I also agree I actually think this is for me the best song from season three of all of them Um, yeah I I like it a lot I really like the way she sings it and I don't know it sounds a little eerie sometimes and I like how the chorus is a little upbeat as well yeah I feel like I used to really like this song, but listening to it now, it feels too shallowly optimistic for it to be something that I listen to regularly. Like, it's unclear really? exactly what it is in Molly's own life that she wants to rewrite, and I just don't like the idea of Molly completely rewriting her life in season three, and it feels like a reminder to me about everything that I dislike about season three and how everything's retconned. How they rewrote it Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like a different story. Yeah, I don't, um, I try not to pay attention to, like, what's the context and, like, why is she writing? Because, yeah, I don't understand it also. Aww. I like her. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's, hmm, I, I get it. Like, it does feel retcon because it's, like, kind of a hollow version of Molly in a way just because we know the background story. We know that everything changed. Um, you know, but I think to the average watcher, they wouldn't pick up on these things. But I do like her dark vocals on it. Like, I love when she says the line, you can write a different story. You know, like, I just love her, her smoky vocals in it. Um, I think it's really kind of raspy and um, whimsical and um, beautiful. And I like this episode because I think it kind of highlights Belinda Metz. So Belinda Metz, like... Of course, a lot of people love this episode because of her relationship with Jack and kind of like the back and forth that they have in the episode. I think it's quirky. And I wanted to take a moment to identify and to let people know and um, shine a light on the genius that is Belinda Metz, guys. Belinda Metz, like, 
I first want to mention that she and Alex Johnson both have been nominated for Canadian Leo Awards. Um, Belinda was nominated for her record Electric Splash. I think it was for her music video, What About Me? Uh, but then Alex Johnson was nominated for her acting in an episode of Instant Star. So they're both like nominated for a Leo Award, which is amazing. And not only that, but Alex Johnson, right after So Weird, went on to be in an episode of Cold Squad, and Belinda Metz played her mother in that episode, and she sang a couple songs in that, one of the songs being called One in a Million, which is like One in a Million World. That's how we Whoa. like separate them. Yeah, that's how we separate it by putting the world at the end. That's the only way we can separate those two songs. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just like a little piece she did acoustically in this uh, Cold Squad show where she actually plays two girls. She plays twins, and I won't give away anything else, but she sings an amazing co song called Eight Days, which I love, and you can find it on YouTube. But um, Belinda Metz is the reason, and Alex Johnson came on our podcast, the So Weird podcast, and actually said this, that Belinda Metz is the reason that she went on to be Jude Harrison on Instant Star. Because Belinda Metz had a previous relationship with the producer and creator, Degrassi, who is uh, Stephen Stone. And um, so he trusted Belinda, and they allowed Alex to come in and audition, and they did actually uh, Alex was the first person they auditioned for the show they went on they auditioned a bunch of other girls and then they came back to Alex and they gave her the part and and Belinda is the reason you know that she had that relationship with Stephen Stone and was able to get on the show um, so it's amazing how Belinda Metz has touched Alex's career and um, you know went on to do other projects with her and to see her off into her career because Instant Star was very successful for Alex Johnson and is a, a huge reason why she has a, a large part of her fan base today. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to shine a light on Belinda Metz that she as well is a pop star. And in the 80s, she had a record called The Minx and it you could find it on vinyl. You can't even find it on CD. That's how like retro it is and how vintage. But then she also has a CD that I, I believe still holds up to this day. And I've had people tell me that they really think the songs hold up, but it's called Electric Slash. And it came out in 1984, but it still holds up today. And um, it's an amazing record. So go, you know, Belinda Metz only has two records out and then you can find various songs that she's posted online. But she's a huge influence on, on Alex Johnson and on the writers of this show, I'm sure. Because she's such a business savvy woman. She is that business manager that we saw on that show. That literally is who she is. And um, like I can just imagine. And she still has a, a great relationship with everyone on the show. She's like a beautiful person. A mentor of mine. I love you Belinda. And I just wanted to give her a shout out that how successful she is and how much she's touched the lives of the people on the show um, that maybe people didn't know that and go buy her records, the Minx and electric splash, get them on vinyl or CD or digital. I think she does a lot of uh, music production still in like um, Vancouver TV shows. Oh yeah. She hasn't stopped. She's still working. She's still in the industry. She's still out there busting her ass and creating and she still hits the studio and, and still promises me that she's going to release more songs, promising her fans Aww. that she's going to release more music. So she's not done. So y'all better put her on your, you know, watch out for her. You know, Belinda Metz is amazing and she's influenced a lot of influential people. So yeah, yeah. check her out. So I don't think I rated a different story. No, we no. didn't. <laughs> I took the ratings for a story. <laughs> what do you guys I, 
I give it a five out of five. Oh, I give it a four and a half. I actually give it two out of five, just because I don't know. It's not one of my favorites. It's not something that I listen to. It just feels like a song about retconning Molly's character, and I'm not into that. Oh, five out of five for me. Yeah, I think this is my first five out of five for season three. Uh, oh, okay. I was gonna say like you didn't get anything. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm actually kind of shocked, though, at that statement as well. Like, yeah, we are kind of far in season three, and that's your first one? Wow. Moving on to our next one. In season three, episode 23, Mr. Magnetism, we get another Annie song, Push Me, Pull You, that she performs in the auditorium at the end of the episode. another one with plot convenience but it's also honestly the ultimate fuck you song and i love it for that and the fact that you know it's plot convenience but also the fact that we know why it's plot convenience because of you know like what was happening to her in the yeah. story like she literally she writes it in the episode and she does that with uh rewind as well but yeah so i i like it i it's not my favorite. I, I will say that it's not my favorite, but I never skip it. I love it. And it's one of the few songs that actually leaked. So we have a studio yeah. version of this song, hey. and, and I love the two separate versions. Jimmy, you say you never skip it, but do you ever skip any Alex song? You, I will not admit that. Um, I was going to say you want to know what one I do, but no, I can't say. But I, um, hey, we, yeah. we can edit it out. Tell me which one. No, sometimes we do, but okay. if I don't feel like it, I just have to be in the mood. Like, it just depends. But usually, I'm in the mood. Okay. <laughs> this one is kind of similar to the Dream About Me song, so I, it's also a no. <laughs> I feel like this one's very... Like, I feel like all of Annie's songs sound basically the same, and that they're very early 2000s bubblegum pop, and they all feel interchangeable in a sense because they're so specific. But I also do like this a smidge better than I like Voodoo because it is another song that only exists for the plot, but I love that Annie's the one who writes it and who sings it, and like Melissa said, it's a fuck you to Mr. Magnetism. Mm -hmm. So in the Congress of the show, love it. Outside of the show, not so much. Yeah, I think I'd give it like a 3.5 out of 5. I'd have to only do a 1. Yeah, I get it a 1 too, just because I never listen to it outside of the show. Haters. No, I'm kidding. I had to, I had to I clarify the difference between this one and the Dream About You one. <laughs> I love it. I give it, you know, for my girl Alex, I give it a 4. How about that? I give it a 4, girl. You did that. You did it. Yeah. Mm. I remember when I learned that Terry Frewer was the one to write Rick's theme. And I was so disappointed because I love Rick's theme so much. And I dislike everything else he did on season three equally as much. All right. So this one, I think, is the most talked about song when it comes to So Weird. Because they're watching Over Me from season three, episode 25, Annie Song. That beautiful song that we've all heard a million times on Disney Channel. Because they would play the music video to it over and over again. Open them up and you appear. 
Kanye's best song. I love it. Uh, it does come kind of randomly in the way it's presented in the show, but I also love how it doubles as a music video. I don't think it came randomly at all because it came at the perfect time once Annie realized that the panther was watching over her. And it was all about the bond between her and the panther. And oh, it's just such a beautiful song. And Alex's vocals on it are amazing. Yeah. It's definitely a nostalgia one for me as well. I would rate this one three stars, which is high for Alex, for uh, Annie's songs for me. I think I'd just give it a 5 out of 5 just because Alex's vocals are so amazing in it. I give it a 5 out of 5 because I think it's the most iconic So Weird song. Like, it's so beautiful that it overshadows even the beautiful songs from seasons 1 and 2. Like, when you think of So Weird, like, I think this is a song that most people remember. Which could probably be due in large part to the music video that, you know, was circulating so often during that time. I think it, I feel like it played a lot. I saw it a lot. Um, But what a beautiful song. Like, wow. And yeah, that's the essence of Alex Johnson is. And I don't, I mean, that's my opinion. But is that song... It's so beautiful. Like, literally, it's the song that, like, when it comes on, I have to, like, stand still and, like, hear it. Like, even if I'm walking, I'm standing still, like, in my mind. Because I'm, like, listening to it and I'm I'm taking it in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I think this is the moment that I want to talk about another headcanon. And I think this is going to blow your minds, guys. You know how I've always talked about the coincidences between So Weird? And, and I think a lot of people have talked about this. The coincidences. Whatever that is. Whatever that means to you as a So Weird fan. The coincidences. So... Alex Johnson just released her latest record called Still Alive. And in this record, now her fans have known about this song called Living in Color for years. She wrote it in 2012. So we've known about it for a long time. So it finally is getting a release because Alex Johnson has finally went back to that first record that I was telling you about that got shelved. And her and her brother went back. They re-recorded that that material and they've re-released it. And she included the song Living in Color. In this song, this is the first song that Alex Johnson has ever used in an audio clip, ever. So she uses an audio clip in this song, Living in Color, that is written in 2012. Puts it on her record that is the reincarnation of her first record that got shelved called Wait. She broke that voodoo spell in my mind as a witch. The voodoo spell that's been on her with her record still alive being released. And I want to put that blessing out into the universe, that that spell is over. It's done. It's gone. It's put to death. And the reason why is because the coincidences. And in that song, Living in Color, Alex used an audio clip. And that audio clip is Genevieve Waite. And it's taken from Peter Whitehead's documentary, Tonight, Let's All Make Love in London. Genevieve Waite. And I don't think Alex Johnson knows this, but Genevieve Waite is Mackenzie Phillips' stepmother. It's literally Bijou Phillips and Tamerlane Phillips, Mackenzie Phillips' siblings, her brother and her sister's mother. And Alex put her audio clip on her new record in her song Living in Color on her record that was shelved that just got released after 10 years or over, over 10 years. And what a beautiful coincidence that to this day she probably doesn't even know that the very and one and only time she used an audio clip in a song it was Mackenzie Phillips mom Mackenzie Phillips stepmother isn't that a trip yeah yeah, yeah. so i know that alex has walked out of the crossroads i know that alex is happy she just gave birth she just got married 
she like is working on renovating her properties and just living life and connecting back to nature. She just did a live with these two writers and hopefully working on a new film called Segway, hopefully, fingers crossed. And I'm so proud of her and I'm so happy to know that she is finally free and she is finally in control. And I'm so proud of her and I just have to say that. That's really sweet. And that's, uh, I do think that's like a crazy mm-hmm. coincidence with Mackenzie's stepmother. That, when the, yeah, that, you guys, you when should the, ask her if she knew. When the coincidences line up, like I'm literally a person that I notice signs. I notice omens. I, I literally look for them. And I know you're not supposed to. There's a scripture that says don't. But Lord, I walk between the scriptures. So literally, I search for these things. And the coincidences never don't lie up when I notice them. If I notice it and I'm like, is that a coincidence? Is that a so weird coincidence? It Mm -hmm. lines up. It does. It will. It always does. And I'm always in, anyway, I say that humbly. Okay, so you're rating Germany? A five. Oh. (laughs) I love how she says that so flippantly, like, you bitch, you you need to ask, it's a five. (laughs) I just Well, I I don't think you rated it, so. It's like, duh. So our final song of season three is in episode 26, The River. It's another Molly Phillips song, While I Stare. And this is the song that closed out the series for us. what i really love this song it i think it's a good song to close out the third season and possibly this series as a whole i don't really know what my opinion on that part that little part is having it close out the series as a whole though one of the best song molly songs in season three for sure one thing I have to say is every time I listen to it, I swear I hear Alex singing in the backing vocals. And yeah. I think I'm going crazy. <laughs> I hear that uh, too. We, I really do. We have to and ask her about that. I yeah. thought we did ask her. And she's like, no. Not that specific. But I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, if she was, wouldn't she have said like, yeah, I did background vocals for Voodoo, but I didn't sing it. You know, or like, I don't know. She seems to not really remember a lot of her studio time at that time. Like, remember, she's like, is it me? I don't know if I sang that song. Let me hear it, you know? <laughs> like, she doesn't remember yeah. if she did or not. Yeah, yeah, I, I, 20 I, years ago. Yeah, yeah, I definitely hear, like, I feel like I hear her in the background, too. I'm just going to go with yeah. that she did sing the backgrounds, and they just added that. In our hearts, she sings in the background. But yeah, I think this is, like, I, I appreciate that they closed the show with Molly, but... I feel like it's just all right. Like this one song is kind of forgettable for me. But now when I listen to it, I think of the the anniversary celebration video that Kat made that you put the song. Yes, me too. <laughs> and <laughs> like, now so it, like, that actually made me like this song so much more than I initially did. Mm. Aww. Yeah, it's like bittersweet. Yeah, I thought it fit really well. And for me, it does bring up a lot of feelings of nostalgia, and it is really nice to be able to feel some kind of emotion in a season three song. So I do think it's one of the better ones there is in the season. Yeah, I think I'd give yeah, it a five. Definitely. I'd give it a three stars. I gave it a four out of five. 
I think I'm going to go with a five out of five. But just because, man, that song too, like, While I Stare. What happened? That was a very hesitant five, Jimmy. Was it? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you were like, five? Because I was thinking in my brain, like, I'm a Virgo. So I have, like, a thousand thoughts going on at one time. And that, but in my brain, I had a whole thing worked up. It just, like, like ran out. Um, oh. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, While I Stare is, like, like you said, it's the last song, right? The absolute last one. And so it, it's sad, you know? And, yeah, what an emotional... That song brings emotion to me because it's the end. And it's, I don't know, I identify it with the end of So Weird and not getting what we initially got. But then I have a whole nother emotion that's like, wow, this is so beautiful and and ethereal. I like her vocals on it. I think she did a great job. Uh, but it's not the same style as the first couple seasons. So it's, it takes some getting used to, but it's beautiful. Top five ranking, starting with Love is Broken, Another World, Rebecca, More Like a River, on the rock and i feel like honorable mentions would be a different story the breaker remix of in the darkness and because you're watching over me (laughs) i tried to do top five only with no like ties even though i wanted to (laughs) for my number one is love is broken and then two is rebecca three is the rock Four would be in the darkness, and then five would be she sells. Nice. I wanted to tie the fifth one with another world. <laughs> but yeah, those are my top. I think I'm gonna go with in the darkness being number one, but then just because it it has to be, and then um, number two is gonna be because you're watching over me, and then number three will be oh Rebecca, and number four more like a river, number five another world but i mean that like they all are number one (laughs) yeah they're number five but they're all number one (laughs) my top five is number one is more like a river my all-time favorite song number two is rebecca number three is the rock number four is love is broken and then number five is she sells and then my top annie song is because you're watching over me and then i also came up with a list of my bottom five songs and for that, number one is Voodoo, number two is Push Me, Pull You, number three is Lorena, number four is Questions, and then number five. I was really struggling to think of a fifth one, and ultimately I put down One in a Million Worlds, but I kind of feel like it was bad to put that there because I really did love that song at one point. I can't believe you put Questions on that list. This was never my thing. Like, we could cut yeah. it so weird, and I'd be fine <laughs> The, You'd rather uh, have the, genie in a bottle. Genie in a bottle. Uh, <laughs> we did it all. I think it's like three hours total. Do you have any final oh, thoughts? Have, um, no. No final thoughts, Jimmy. I I feel like I've exhausted um <laughs> you guys. Yes. <laughs> oh, I was already yeah. exhausted before we started. Oh yeah, I just I really grew to love the music of the show and I'm really like appreciative of what we do have and how much um the writers put into like the lyrics and how much the singers put emotion into their song yeah agreed oh. yeah it is a shame for real that we don't have an official soundtrack out but hopefully if we keep bugging Disney maybe someday we will get an official release of the music yeah yes. so whoever is listening let us know your thoughts on the songs and like what are your top fives What's your ultimate favorite song? Yeah. 
So this has been another episode of the So Weird Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kat. I'm Kathy. I'm Melissa. And I'm Jimmy. And keep the faith and keep bugging Disney for some high quality So Weird music. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thank you.